Hey, I'm Russ. And I'm Steve. Growing up in the 80s, we were introduced to video games, movies, and technology that made a lasting impression on us and forever enriched our lives. I think I'm gonna cry! It's been a fascinating journey to be a part of. One that we constantly treasure. Fire! Booty! Our goal is simple. Share our magical moments of discovery and geek out with lovely folks. Just like you! Uh, achievement unlocked! So if you crave pixel goodness, memorable moments, and experiences that make your inner child do the happy dance, you've come to the right place. Let's do this! Welcome to Joygasm! <laughs> yeah! Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Joygasm. My name is Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360, and with me is my partner in crime, Steve, aka Xbox Live Steveovich. What's going on? As we initiate episode Ocho on this May 25th, 2017. By the way, Steve, the number eight is considered to be a lucky number in Chinese and other Asian cultures. Did you know that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I did. No, that was convincing. I, I knew all about that. <laughs> yeah, eight is considered a lucky number in Chinese culture because it sounds like the word meaning to generate wealth. And I know we could all use a whole lot more wealth in our day and age. I'll tell you what, crying in a jag is much better than crying in a bus. <laughs> <laughs> well, a fun little like side note to the side note, property with the number eight may be valued greatly by Chinese. Unfortunately, I do not have a number eight in my personal address, so therefore I think I'm screwed. Oh, but you do where you grew up. That is very true. <laughs> that is very true. It's all true. about the details. I'm rich in family. That's where I am. <laughs> so, how you been, Steve? I'm doing all right. Always uh, keeping the chin up, you know. <laughs> How about you? I've been doing good. Um, yeah. Why don't you tell us all about it, Russ? Well, I mean, I, I for one, am really excited about this particular episode because... So am I. I mean, we have a great show for you, Steve. For me? As well as for all of you out there listening to us. Well, what about you? Well, Yeah. I, I, I want to be. Yeah, I want to be in the club. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, we have uh, lots of tantalizing tidbits from both the gaming and movie industries, and I'm also excited to share with all of you that we have our first ever guest on Joygasm. Big Baby Moose will be joining us in a bit to discuss all things destiny. You are my destiny. Exactly. It's a game that neither Steve nor I have actually played. However, due to Destiny 2, which was given a big hurrah last week in Los Angeles by Bungie, we found ourselves really wanting to kind of dive in, figure out just what all the... Hoopla. The hoopla, exactly, is all about. And so we look forward to doing that. But first things first, let's get down and dirty 
with the details. Oh, Steve, you were pointing at me like you would like me to shut up. What is it? (laughs) I must say, Russ, the name Destiny is a good name, but I can't get Back to the Future Part 1 out of my mind. Back to the Future? Back to the Future. The the scene where... um, Dad McFly goes in to meet Mom McFly for that would the be first time. George McFly. George, mm-hmm. thank you. And so I, I constantly see—I can't remember the, the, the actor's name, but his face going, "You, my density." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. What? Uh, I mean, my destiny. Yeah, that was probably one of the most like sweetly awkward cinematic moments in movie history ever. You're just, you're sitting there and you're, you're rooting for the guy. Like you're just like, come yeah. on, like just be confident just get it out there. You know, take her. <laughs> anyway, I, ahead, I, I keep thinking about star Wars, of course, well, that's my kind of my go-to thing. And so I'm glad that you threw a little curveball on me there, Steve. Mm-hmm. That's Very what impressive. I do. Mm. That's what I throw Raz. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing, a lot of uh, Overwatch recently. Overwatch. Overwatch. Because of the new update. Uh-huh. Trying to get uh, maximize all the, all the little new uh, lootsies. Have you gotten anything cool yet? Uh, I've gotten a few dances. Oh. I think from, let's see, I got I got Lucio and I got... I never know if it's pronounced Lucio or Lucio or somewhere um, in between. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I don't know. Thanks, Russ. I, 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 I forgot. Okay, I got another one. I forgot what it was. Thank you very much. But I got a. Uh, I got the uh, the Genji uh, anniversary costume. He looks like a Power Ranger. I Actually, was just about to say that. I'm going to retract that statement that I no, just don't do that, let Russ. spew from my lips. Actually, it's not. He looks more like an. Um, oh, it's that anime. There's an anime cartoon movie thing that's like widely followed, and I oh, it's gonna kill me. I can't remember it. Anyway, Dragon he, Ball Z. No, it's something else, but it's it, he totally looks more like that, and that's oh, that's gonna drive me off the wall. I'm gonna see a Power Ranger. <sighs> no, it's anyway. Go go ahead. Um, I've also been playing um, Bit Heroes. Oh, more of the Bit Heroes. What level are you at? I think I'm close to forty. Jeez, dude. That's yeah. Wow. I need to impress Shawnee when he comes on the show. <laughs> Um, That's awesome. And then I've uh, been continuing through Battlefield. So with Bit Heroes, have you added any more people to your your group? Yes and no. I've made some friends. um, And then I'm part of a clan already, but um, I think they've added a few people, but... So you, you've joined a clan, but in yeah. terms of like like the NPCs, like I know like where I left off, I, was, I had a ghost and a bat and right. that sort of thing. Yeah, no, I've added a couple more. The thing is, it, you have to kind of balance your your friendlies mm-hmm. with loot that you're going to buy and equipment that you're going to upgrade. Right. Because it's, it's all, it all costs money. Mm-hmm. So you, it depends on what you want to spend money on. Yeah. So uh, you can spend money on um, upgrading your buddies but depending on how you upgrade them, you know, you might not be able to continue into the game unless you're stronger mm-hmm. or you can just keep what you have and just level up and upgrade your equipment so that you know you're stronger. Um, but it all costs money. Yeah. So I mean, whatever you want to do, but it, it's, it's definitely a grind. Hmm. hmm. Impressive, Steve. Thank you. 
have you gotten some cool armor or weapons yeah. since then? And you're just going through, just kicking yeah. a whole lot of bit ass. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because there's a ton of stuff you can get. Uh, I, and, and you can, you, you can get this like chainmail armor, but you can of, of one class and then mm. you can upgrade something else of a completely different armor. And I think I'm the goofiest looking character because I, I kind of look at all the stats and I don't really care how I look. I just want to sure. get good stats. And so I have like this rare, uh, you know, chainmail looking armor. And then I have like this adventurer bandana. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I didn't know they even had bandanas in the game. Yeah. Um, and then I have this wicked, like epic looking bow, bow and arrow. Uh-huh. Um, everybody else is kind of is, is in this, you know, more of a knight, uh, armor, you know, with, with the, yeah. the, the, the helmets and the more the, of what you would plate. expect. Yeah. Yeah. The capes and stuff. But, uh, and then there's a little old me, you know, it looks like I have like, I'm, I'm a redhead with my hair pulled back. <laughs> it looks like walking around a big smile on my face. Hey, that game is actually doing really well. I checked on it yesterday in the app store on iOS and they, I think they had like 4,000 reviews or something. Yeah. It's like, I think it's a rating out of 4.7 or 4.8. If I yeah. Like it's just, it's just trucking right along. That's good. What about you, Russ? What about, uh, what have you been playing? Well, as you well know, since you were over at Mikasa Uh last night, I have been playing Injustice 2 and been loving it. Mm -hmm. And I beat the game. Well, I beat the story mode last night. Mm -hmm. You, as my witness, were there. I was here. It was was very touching to have you there on the, the love seat next to me. Yeah. And of course, you know, the, the last boss, Brainiac, was filled. Well, not filled, but he had certain moves that were just designed to be rather cheap. But I prevailed. I prevailed! One of the reasons why I can't stand fighting games, too. Because the last guy is like, how are you supposed to defend against that? Yeah. Well, and there, to be fair, there might be a way that I just don't know how to do. Because that was the first time I, I fought him. But the cool thing is, I beat him. He became an unlocked character. So now you can play him oh. in the versus mode if you want. And the... Um, Oh, this is something I was wanting to tell you about. Oh, yeah. Please tell us, Russ. You're mocking me, aren't you? (laughs) Uh, So the game has a... Remember how I kind of showed you a little bit about the character customization screen, how like you could change up certain things, like certain aspects of the armor or whatever. Like at the time, I didn't have any like... I didn't really have any items, but like that was what the screen was all about. It was when I when it was when I showed you Supergirl. Not ringing a bell, Russ. Okay, just to jog the old bean. Um, so Injustice Two has this um, this feature, like this, this screen, where you can actually go and customize how you want your character to look, and and the it's, they aren't just aesthetic upgrades, but also they affect the gameplay. Like you can see, like it's almost like like in Witcher Three, when um you know if you gain new armor or new weapon or whatever, and you mm-hmm. and you equip it, you can see how like there Riot. are different attributes to it. Right. So it's actually really cool that in a, a fighting game they've actually implemented that in because you can actually not only change the how you want your character to look, but also just the attributes themselves. Like for instance, like one of the things I could not do through story mode because I didn't have the ability, you know, based on like my armor and that sort of thing, is I wasn't able to knock the the opponent into a different level like all those levels that you saw me play actually are multi-layered and so um 
it's almost like like dead or alive. You know, if you knock someone off the edge and they go yeah. down to another level, then right. you keep playing. Well, I never got a chance to experience that, but apparently you have to be, um, you have to upgrade your, your armor and that sort of thing. What's really cool too is for instance, like the Joker, like, you know, neither one of us are big fans of how the Joker looked. Well, mm-hmm. wh- what's cool is, is that you can unlock different heads for the Joker. A Joker head. So I got one of the, the Joker heads that actually does look better. Oh. And so I'm kind of revisiting my stance on how I feel about some of the, the character approaches because I I do think that's actually a really fun opportunity, creatively speaking, and for the gamers too, to be able to customize how you want your character to look. And that's more of a subjective opinion. What about, can you take off that little quarter helmet that Clark Kent has? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, like if you go into Superman, you can decide like if you want him to wear that, or if you just want him just to have just a regular head. Mm-hmm. Can, and, you make, can you make more of a curl come down in, in his hair, like on, on his forehead? So it doesn't it doesn't allow you to go Christopher Reeves style. They may have that in there. I mean, honestly, <laughs> want to unlock the curl? Yeah, I mean, like like while we're talking about it, I mean that may actually be in there. It would make total sense because you figure, okay, what if they had like five to 10 Superman heads that you could unlock. I mean, the whole thing is based. It's kind of like over overwatch there you go. when um, you, when you open a loot box, they have a system that's very similar where like the more you play, you'll um, you'll have these like, and I can't remember what the terminology is, but it's basically like a loot box and you open it up and you'll have like a, a, a chance at getting certain things. And that could either be uh, gear or armor for, Uh, the torso or the legs or the feet or the arms, the face, that sort of thing. And it's cool because you can really change up how you want each character to look ultimately. And from the little bit that I have unlocked, there is, I think going to be some, some pretty satisfying change ups to like be able to like customize how you would envision that character to look. And they probably have kind of like a variety of like kind of more of the traditional, aesthetics that we're used to seeing for each one of those characters and also like some more kind of thinking outside the box that you may or may not dig. I see, I see a trend starting with, with the more you play the game, the more loot boxes you get and the more, uh, more little doozies you can equip and stuff. Yeah. I see a trend like that happening too, which I think it's, it's a, it's a little bit of a of a slippery slope. Yeah. Slippery slope, Steve. Yes, right. <clears throat> because I do like the idea of having options for my characters. I like I love being able to choose the skins or or and especially like what what Injustice 2 does that Overwatch really doesn't do with um, their skin changes and whatnot. Is you actually have more of the Witcher 3 approach of having um, stronger or or better defense or more agility, that sort of thing. As a result, I am curious if once you apply those to a loadout that when you face that character, like if I, if I were to replay through the story mode, would those characters still retain those loadouts, making them that much harder for me to defeat or would it just be the default? That's, that's kind of a question mm. I'm asking myself, but yes, do It is indeed a good question. Hmm. Other than that though, I mean, like we've been already talking about, been playing some Overwatch, and I did on. Uh, it's once again, it's 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 like a mixed bag. It's like you know we'll have matches that that we'll do really well in, and other matches where we're just kind of 
licking our wounds afterwards. But I, but I'm really glad that uh, they have the latest edition of Anniversary. You know, I <laughs> excuse me, that sounded juicy. <laughs> <laughs> Why can that happen when I uh, when I don't have anything to say? You know, I think I'm going to um, have to use a washcloth to get that off my wall. So I'm glad the anniversary stuff is out, and I've been trying some different modes, like mm-hmm. different game modes, and then maybe they were there before, maybe they weren't. But I got something to say about one of the modes, Russ. Please do enlighten us, Steve. So I was telling you online the other night. I was doing the three versus three because they're offering a loot box yep. with, uh, you know, the, your first victory over that. I do, in fact, recall that. So I grinded it out and uh, I was I, I sucked at about 20 matches and then I finally uh, won the loot box. But a few things, Ross. One thing that they need to change is like with the, with the post game stats. Okay. So, like, after the game is finished and you see, you know, who did what and mm-hmm. you vote for that person or whatever, and you, 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 you get your experience, that whole thing takes, like, 30 seconds. Okay. Which, okay, 30 seconds, not a whole lot of time. But if you have to wait after just seeing three stats for 30 seconds and then jump right back into matchmaking mm-hmm. and wait again, that's a lot of wait time. That is a long time. I mean, each, I mean, you, you times that by 20 because I was playing about 20 games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I sucked so bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, mean, I, w- I wasn't helping either, man. Golly. I mean, you're just sitting there thinking, okay, another 30 seconds to look at three stats. Okay, I'm just staring at the screen. Yeah. 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30. And then I got to thinking, man, I'm up to 290 hours. How much of that is actually wait time just in the game waiting for a match or, uh-huh. or waiting for, you know, uh, your your post battle stats. Right, right. I think they need to change that, Ross. It would be nice if they were able to find a way to speed up those load times. And you know something else? No, I don't. Please enlighten me. I think. Therefore, you are? Yes. But, so there's three <laughs> matches, right? And you have to win. You have to have the, the majority of the matches to win, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's ridiculous that if you're at two, if you're at zero out of three, Okay. Yeah. And the other team has two wins and there's three matches. So it's impossible for the other team to win or my team to win if we're losing. Yeah. If it's impossible to win the third match, why have the third match? The only thing that comes to mind is if there's a way that the game counts, like it's not like the best two out of three. Well, okay. So in terms of gaining a loot box, I don't know if they have it set up. And again, this is because I, I have only played like, one or two matches of the three v three, but I don't know if it if you earn a loot box by winning yes. like all three. You do okay, or if in addition to that, you also like like the game also counts how many times you do have a win for a particular match, and so if you happen to gain wins that way, even if you were to lose overall, it would still count in like kind of a longer way. No, nah. okay, no. Nah. You have to you have to win, and then it gets you the the loot box. So, by the third match, if you're if you don't have any points at all, and it's zero to two, the other team's going to win either way. Mm-hmm. So you're just wasting your time. I see. I see, Steve. I don't like that, Rod. <laughs> well, and the thing too is when we were playing, 
it, it's such a different game type. I, I have been conditioned to just the, the quick play and the capture the flag, but the three V three, man, that, no more intense. It was more, well, the maps are smaller. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're significantly smaller. Um, and I'm just not used to having that kind of closer quarters combat. I, mean, I, I made the mistake of, of sticking with Farah, which I think was not the best idea. I should have gone for somebody else, but it was a can of proverbial whoop ass was opened on me and it was humbling, but I don't take things lying down like that, Steve, as you well know, I like to be able to give it another shot, live another day and fight another day. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's pretty much like what I've been doing. I've um, been trying to uh, go see King Arthur, which, I'm scheduled to go on a date with the wife tonight to go see King oh. Arthur. So on the next episode, I'll be able to give, you know, give you a report on uh, how Guy Ritchie did ultimately. Oh, good. We're awesome. looking forward to that, Russ. I hope you are, Steve, because I look forward to telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Just as well, I uh, have oh. a man from uncle. Or, oh, that's right. Or you dot in dot in. <laughs> What? <laughs> oh, that's right. That's how they spell it out, don't they? Yeah. Uh, so I have to watch that. I'm waiting to watch with you. And I've had it all week. Well, the good news is, is I've taken some time off, some much deserved mm. time off. And uh, I think that we will be able to find some time to watch it because I am interested in seeing that. Tonight, maybe, Russ? No, not tonight, Steve. After You, you can get two movies in. I have in. been spoken for, Steve. You can get two movies in, Russ. You're a big boy. Steve. The wife needs some quality time. Mommy, daddy time. I got it. (laughs) And with that, let's hop into gaming news. How about that, Steve? Let's hop into moose. (laughs) So to kick things off first, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 has been delayed until spring 2018. Rockstar Games has announced that its upcoming sequel, Red Dead Redemption 2, will now be released for the PS4 and Xbox One in the spring of 2018 instead of what people were hoping for, which was going to be more like 2017. The Rockstar blog post continued, We are very sorry for any disappointment this delay causes, but we are firm believers in delivering a game only when it is ready. We are really excited to bring you more details about the game this summer, the Rockstar blog post reads. Have you seen any of the screenshots? Yes, from I have, Russ. And it's funny they say the summertime. You know why? Why? Por qué? Because the E3 is in the summertime, huh? That's very true. <laughs> Connected the dots. That's very so true. So they might reveal a little bit more at E3 or around that time. True. Without actually you know, showing off the entire game. Yeah. I think that makes a whole lot of sense to you. Mm-hmm. It does indeed. No, and you have seen like the latest screenshots? You- yes, I have. Because they, they released, I think, like four or five of them. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Russ, I do know about the internet. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful platform, isn't it, Steve? <laughs> it is, Russ. What do you think, though? That's what I want to know. It looks good. I think it, it looks, looks awesome. Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, I mean, the, the way the pictures look, it, it might be a cutscene. Mm-hmm. Maybe yes, maybe no. Uh, to me, it looks like a cutscene. Yeah. Um, what is it? Uh, Rockstar is is good at still keeping the cutscenes relatively close to how game graphics look. Sure. Uh, but if you look at the camera angles and what it's actually showing, it, it doesn't look like it's part of the game. It looks like it's a, a cutscene. So yeah. 
hopefully it'll look uh, very reminiscent to those pictures. Yeah, I, I, the, there was one scene that was, looked, looked like it was almost like in like a forest or something, mm-hmm. and it was just like oh, I was just staring at that. Now, having worked in the gaming industry, especially in the marketing departments, they do put a bit of like a, a slight kind of gloss over everything. They, you know, they they do some photoshopping here and there, not too right. much because they don't want to like completely do like a night and day difference between right. the final product versus what they're advertising. But they do smooth out. However, having said that, though, I mean. That is like a proper looking sequel to Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, it is. So anyway, moving right along. Far Cry 5 key art has Talk been revealed. Me. Talk to me, bro. Have you seen? Oh, wait a second. Oh, he tells me to wait a second. Um, okay, so I I don't, um, I haven't seen pictures, but I, there there's like these little teaser trailers that are out. Uh-huh. I've seen yeah. those. Yeah, th- those are... Um, We'll talk about that in just a sec. No. Okay. Um, but yeah, like the game, of course, takes place in the state of Montana. That's what mm-hmm. the, the, the little teaser trailers are kind of letting on to. Mm-hmm. Um, a full reveal of the game is slated for May 26th, which as of this recording is one day away. It's tomorrow. Whoa. The big old Friday <laughs> release. Um, I lost my play. Ah, there we go. Um, so... Let's talk about the key art for a moment for Far Cry 5. You, you said you did see the, the key art? Or you I, only no, seen the I just saw the trailers. Okay, I will see if I can bring this up for you. Should I make my way across the table, Russ? Yeah, go. <laughs> you may begin your journey across the table. Begin the endurance. I'm looking ready. These are the teasers here. (laughs) Are you okay? All right. What you got? I have the teasers here. You know, you can bring up extra tabs in the uh, internet, right? Yeah, I'm well aware of that, Steve. I'm just trying to find the key art. Okay. Well, I see a lot of uh, what I was just talking about, but no art. Yeah, let's see here. I'm just going to start dancing while you do this. Here we go. Oh, I knew that would be quick. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's what the key art looks like for the game. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who haven't seen it yet, uh, because it takes place in Montana, there are lots of mountains in the background. Um big sky. Yeah, the art is reminiscent of Da Vinci's Last Supper. Yeah. But the characters are probably most likely the villains in the game. Um, so as a result, you know, you, you have like, like kind of the Last Supper table there. You have an American look flag that um, has the white stars replaced with basically our, our crosses. I mean, it's, it's very much a, a Christian oriented thing. Uh, you have a church in the background. You have a, a guy who's bound in the foreground with uh, the word center on his back and whatnot. Uh, there's some like kind of destruction flames and stuff in the background. There's a dog on the side that has like a red cross paint on its head and stuff. Um, for me, I feel like this kind of approach is played out. Honestly, I think that um, it's far too convenient to be able to, oh yeah, we're going to, you know, let's, 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 let's assault 
the Christianity religion once more because it's so easy to do so. Yeah. You know? I, I think it, that, um, you know, if there was some sort of protagonist that represented the other side uh, of this, because clearly, I mean, you have people who are in cults or who uh, are not good people, despite the fact that they hide behind something like Christianity. Um, but I just feel like the gaming community just constantly just bullies this religion. Yeah. I, I think it's it's not the, the yeah, most just, original thing to do anymore. I mean, I think that if they wanted to really be out there and risque, choose a different type of religion uh, to place in there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it's just I understand they're they're trying to be controversial, they're trying to be provocative and that sort of thing. But I just I don't know. I just feel like it's played out. Christians play games too. Why alienate them? I mean, they got money, they want to spend it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll so see yeah. what happens. Maybe maybe it's just something that uh, they just want to get attention with, and maybe we'll be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and. and of course, the setting with Montana and whatnot does make sense. But even in, in the teaser trailers, too, you know, they one of them has a flyby of them going right. by like some sort of old school church. And right. it's all kind of like creepy. And it's just like, really? Like, we're going to go down this road again? Yeah. One more time. Yeah. So, uh, but in terms of the gameplay itself, it's yet to be seen. I know you're a Far Cry fan. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to... Um uh, I don't know. I mean, I I definitely want to. I'm I'm curious, but and I'm glad they're still outside and and doing their thing. Um, and because that's kind of what made Far Cry set apart from other first person shooters. And uh, but what what the Far Cries have been in the past is you, you're almost in like in an impoverished state, and you're using what low income means I guess you have to for a weapon and to, to defend yourself like you have maybe a machete a machete that's machete. All, that's uh, all taped up like with the handle you know um, just to make a better grip or you have some rusty gun or something like that so it's always like you're trying to make ends meet with what's available um, in this desolate spot yeah so um, but in Montana I mean <laughs> you're not on some island far far away uh, yeah I remember the like the previous ones you were kind of in this exotic island right. Amazonian almost kind of place and this this one takes place in uh, the US of A yeah. uh, up in Montana and that sort of thing and so yeah you're either in the jungle or you're in a Pacific island or you're like in India um, so it's always like the, the nature extremes uh, what was the location yeah but, I don't know I'm still curious but this is definitely a step in the wrong direction. <laughs> well, anyway, we will continue to move on from there. Uh, the next item on my little list here is Gwent, the Witcher card game, official cinematic trailer. Um, I think both Steve and I have seen this, and I I think I, I mentioned this before, but I was lucky enough to get in on the, the closed beta of um, the, the Gwent game, and since then it's gone to more of a public open beta. I would love nothing more than to be able to play that for you right now. Even though I would strongly encourage you, if you guys have not checked out the trailer for it, you can go to facebook.com slash joygasmtv because we do have it posted up there. But for now, especially if you're driving in the car, don't do that. Just listen to the goodness. Here we go.
I love the uh, kind of the, the painted, oil painted animations mixed with uh, more of like the, the pre-rendered CGI. It just <clears throat> has that kind of cool storytelling look to it with him slicing and dicing. A bear. Ooh. Siri. Hello, Siri. Hello, Geralt. Geralt, good to see you. So they're sitting here looking at, at each other with their, their Gwent cards out in a pub. Everybody's freaking out, running out of the pub, except for Geralt and Siri, who are just sitting there looking at each other. And Geralt's sitting back, looking at a card. Puts it down. Oh, it's Yennefer. They don't look scared at all. Nothing scares a witcher. Oh, in walks in some bald guy from Nilfgaard. Yes. Nilfgaard? Nilfgaard. Or you could have just said some Nilfgaardians. Nilf That's right. Oh! He made a fatal mistake. Siri's about to lay some whoop ass. And it's going through some of the card animations of mm -hmm. what happens if you play down certain cards. So it's Gwent. not just laying down cards, but stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun animations within the cards. Playgwent.com. So I was pretty excited about that, just being able to play it. I, you know... It's one of those games that I really haven't put as much time into as I would like just because I just don't have the time. <laughs> but it is something that I'm going to continue playing because that was one of my just favorite things to do in Witcher 3 was to actually get through and uh, just stop playing the story mode and go through and find people who want to play Gwent. So, right. You were on that too, weren't you, on the, the closed beta? Yeah, I, I got it. And uh, yeah, I the thing is, I, I wasn't into Gwent as much as you were. I mean, you really got into it with Witcher 3 and and uh, got some achievements and and uh, won some stuff. I didn't. Uh, once I go through The Witcher again and, and play through it, I think I'll I'll take advantage of all the Gwen stuff and then maybe I'll play the, the, the game even more. But that'll be uh, playing the whole entire story from start to finish that I'll do that, which is not going to be in time soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I really want to play New Game Plus through and just uh, love that game. The game is seriously probably one of my favorite RPGs. Well, I guess I would classify it more as an action RPG. Yeah, yeah, action RPG. But you got some other games. But Russ, you still haven't even played like Fallout 4. I know. I know. I uh, I started it. I got through the opening yeah. credits. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So much to play and so little time. Anyway, that's about all I have for gaming news. So how about we go into some movie news, Steve? Does that sound good to you? Let's do it, Russ. All right. New Star Wars photo shoot in Vanity Fair magazine. Amazing photographer Annie Leibovitz, who, uh, as, a, as a photographer myself, I absolutely love her work. Like, anything she does is just gold. Um, Vanity Fair is releasing four unique covers depicting various characters we will see in Episode 8. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, would I happen to have the covers on my phone? Would you like to take a little game? Oh, really, Steve? Russ? Do you have them on your phone, or um, or am I gonna, we have to wait another? Oh, there it is. Take a look at that. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Um, I see a person in a dark robe. That would be Carrie Fisher, Steve. Is that Carrie Fisher? That is Princess Leia, Steve. Is that a CG Carrie Fisher? What? No, Steve. She was still alive when they shot episode eight. Oh. <laughs> May she rest in peace. Yes. 
But anyway, really cool shot there. There you go. A little bit of the old Kylo Ren with Captain Phasma unmasked. Captain the, okay. I know. I know. She was a waste of precious cinematic timeage mm -hmm. in uh, episode seven. However, I am conflicted as to showing her face on the cover of Vanity Fair. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like, as a photo, it's really cool. Um, however, as as storytelling goes, like I wasn't sure if they were planning on doing a reveal or something. Yeah, like like would we ever see her face? Almost like you know how you never see Boba Fett's face, right? Would we ever see that? Or if we did, would her face be altered in any way, shape, or form? Yeah. I have no idea. Well, there goes the surprise. There go. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know I knew who the, the actress was right. in this thing, but still, I'm just like ah. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like when when the, when all the new Star Wars toys come out. Uh -huh. It's like here's all the villains, here's all the model planes, right. here's all the good guys, and so you're like, okay, well, I know what everyone's gonna look like now, and right. when I see the movie, I, I know what to expect instead of having the surprise. Right, right. Um, here's one without the the all the Vanity Fair titleage and stuff. He's not posed very well. I just oh, want to uh, say it. You could, they could have posed them better. Here are some other folks. I don't recognize the Asian-looking actress on the right. Um, hmm, maybe you have to watch the movie again. Well, I think she might be a new character. No. Another surprise. Out. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And, of course, the fourth one with none other than Luke Skywalker and Rey looking very stoic. Very awesome. So these are all covers of Vanity Fair. Is it the same magazine? And it just like depends on which issue you pick up. Well, depend right. on okay. It's the same content inside, but however, all the covers they're they're doing like a collectible thing. No. Which I am pleased to say, Steve, that uh, yours truly has ordered all four, ah. and they will be delivered soon. You're gonna frame them, Ross? I might. You never know, Steve. I'm a fan of Star Wars. Are you secretly collecting Vanity Fair? Uh, well, well, I have uh, not. Next topic. <laughs> no, I mean I do <laughs> like Vanity right along. <laughs> I do like Vanity Fair magazine. I I think that there are a lot of uh, great photo shoots that they do. I don't really read it all that often, but sometimes like they'll have something on the cover. It's like, oh, that looks cool. Now you know, I'll get it. Like the Star Wars stuff. Okay, Rush. I, be I believe you. <laughs> Moving right along. Pirates of the Caribbean 5 comes out this weekend, which you and me, mm -hmm. we are going on a bro date to bro see date. that. So I'm looking forward to that. I, um, I'm i hoping it's going to be better than the last one. I, th I thought the last one was just a train wreck of a movie. Um, did you ever see the last one? If I did, you don't I remember. forgot all about it. <laughs> yeah, it was that good. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, the last one, if you recall, was like, was their search for the Fountain of Youth. And it, it, they introduced Spain into mm -hmm. the whole deal. Okay. Um, but you, you have it, right? I think I do. Maybe we should watch it before we watch this one. If you, you know what? Okay, we'll or, watch it. Or let me borrow it if you, uh. No, no, I'll watch it again. Just, just to prime myself for how bad daddy that was. time with the wife. No, 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 no. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> we could check it out tomorrow. But um, 
So far, the buzz has actually been encouraging. Um, it, everyone's saying it's definitely better than the last one, so that's good. Um, I'm hoping that, that they kind of kind of took a long look at that one and be like, okay, we can't do that again. Everyone, meaning people who want to sell movie tickets? No, actually. <laughs> I just have to say our good old friend Brad. When, actually, he scored tickets ahead of time before anybody else. He already saw it. He's Not surprised. Yeah, I mean, that, that guy has this uncanny ability to be able to go and score this type of thing before anybody else. But so anyway, he, he took his family, they went and saw it and he said, yeah, it was, it was good. He didn't feel as though it was as good as like, like the first pirates of the Caribbean. I think that's everybody's favorite pretty much, but anyway, better, well, have, better have some swashbuckling sword play in there, Russ. Well, Jeffrey Rush is back. I'm a huge Jeffrey Rush fan mm-hmm. as Captain Balbosa. And then we have, uh, of course, you know, Johnny Depp reprising his role as oh, Captain of Jack Sparrow. Uh, but other than that, I don't really know who else is coming back in. I think they have a bit of a, a newer cast. Are we going to have Orlando Bloom? Mm, I don't know. Are we going to have Keira Knightley? Probably not. I don't know. But I, I don't know. I, I've purposely I avoided everything. I didn't want to, like, ruin it. So maybe we'll be surprised. Yeah. Thank goodness Vanity Fair didn't get hold of this one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Oh, okay. So this is more of a sober note. Um, Zack Snyder, who's the director of Justice League, yes. um, he has left the film um, due to a family tragedy. His um, his daughter committed suicide. Good grief. Yeah. Um, it's really sad. And so as, as a result, uh, Joss Whedon, who was the director of the Avengers movies, has filled in for him. So the actual film itself has finished production. They're currently in post-production. And so there's really, I mean, from a, a directorial standpoint, I think that his main responsibilities are going to be like reshoots if they need any, as well as just kind of um, making certain creative decisions based on just what kind of look they want to go for. I mean, I think Zack Snyder's vision will be retained for Justice League. Um but anyway, yeah, Zack Snyder has he announced that yeah, he left Justice League to be with his family after his daughter committed suicide, and uh, yeah, it's that's something that that I hope I will never have to deal with. I have a daughter myself, and um, that's that's rough. That's that's uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to him. I hope uh, they'll be able to to just have time to grieve and and uh, everyone offer their condolences. So. Suicide's been on the rise lately, it seems like. I don't know. I don't want to get on that topic or anything, but yeah. it seems like I've been hearing about it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm uh I've been noticing that too, actually. Hopefully that it'll hopefully it'll be it gets stopped before. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's more bullying more. or parenting or just media influences or what, but yeah. Man. Yeah. Stop and hug your loved ones and tell them what you care about them, I guess. Yeah. Um, the next item I have on my list here is that there's a new Spider-Man trailer, Spider-Man Homecoming. This is a movie that I'm like super pumped about. I have tried not to watch too much of the trailers, but really Disney and Marvel Studios have been like pushing this hardcore. And, um, so it's kind of been almost impossible for me not to see some of it, but you know, Michael Keaton is, is, uh, the villain who, I'm just, I'm a huge Michael Keaton fan ever since, uh, his Beetlejuice and, uh, Batman days, that sort of thing. I mean, he, he's always, uh, done a great job and for lack of a video option at this point, 
let's 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 have a little listen. Let, let's let's turn our minds on and just picture what it could be based on what we hear. Are you ready, Steve? More ready than I'll ever be. Well, that sounds pretty ready to me. Let's do this. Okay. Good evening, Peter. Oh. You have 576 possible web shooter combinations. That is awesome. I can keep that suit? Yeah, doesn't fit me. So when's our next retreat? What, next mission? We'll call you, all right? That's not a hug. I'm just grabbing the door for you. I'm not there yet. All right, kid. Good luck out there. Hey, Peter. You coming tonight? I can't tonight. I got the Stark internship. What's up, guys? Mr. Stark, here's my report for tonight. I stopped the Grand Theft Bicycle. Hey, could you do me a favor? Hold on to that. <laughs> Does anybody bike? Oh, I helped this old lady and she bought me a churro, so. I love that with like that the nice. mask being up. Yeah. I just feel like I could be doing more. Wait a minute. You guys aren't the real Avengers. Hulk gives it away. New move I'm working on. Not bad. Oh, God, this feels so strange. These weapons are crazy dangerous. Listen, Peter, there are people who handle this sort of thing. Can't you just be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? Oh. <laughs> Activating parachute. The world's changing, boys. There he is. Change too. Just prove myself. We have a Spanish quiz. <laughs> 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 That's part of the job. I don't understand. No. I'm intimidating. Oh, hey, yes. <laughs> <laughs> See his eyes twitching? Yeah. Hey, where are you going? What are you hiding, Peter? Yes, Spider-Man! I'm just kidding, I don't care. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> There's a ton of other subsystems in here, but they're all disabled by the training wheels protocol. Training wheels protocol? But you are a kid. Yeah, a kid who can stop a bus with his bare hand. July 7th, 2017, man. It looks really good. Yeah. Like, I am so excited for that. Like that, that is the Spider-Man I've been waiting for. Right. You know, it's my goal in life to to be able to reproduce all of those sound effects. I want to be the sound effects guy, except it's not, I'm not going to be a machine. It's just all going to come from my mouth. <laughs> there are people who <laughs> do excel at that, Steve, and I must say that uh, you are one of them. Oh, thank you, Russ. Let me see here. Oh, a final piece of news on here. Oh, actually, before it, was there anything else you want to talk about with Spider-Man? Oh, no, Ross got right ahead. <laughs> You're just all kinds of sassy today, aren't you? You know, I would love to make movie trailers like that. And I think there's only one place in the country that does. It's in L.A. Uh-huh. I think it's called the Ant Farm. Like, so there's one place. No, no, no. There are, there are multiple places. Uh, Ant Farm I, is yeah, one of them. I looked like 10 years ago because I, I was interested in doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's the only one place that Google came up with was the Ant Farm. I thought. Are you talking about for doing voiceovers or no, doing just trailers in just general? Just trailers in general. No, that, that's that's not correct. There are several studios all throughout LA. Actually, and the cool thing is, is that they've started to branch out from the Southern California area. Like they have places in New York. They have places in Chicago. Um, 
there might even be places that are starting to kind of kind of poke up here and there in Texas. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've been keeping a sharp eye on that just because th- that is a really fun industry uh, to be into. I think that would be the sweetest job. One of the best places that does any kind of trailer work is Imaginary Forces. I absolutely oh, love... That's a good name. Isn't that an awesome name? Yeah. And especially if you if you abbreviate that, if. <gasps> Which is great from a creative standpoint. Like, yeah. what if? Yeah. You know? Right. It's super cool. Um, anyway, are you... Uh, Wanting to talk about anything else about Spider-Man, or, or am I able to yeah. continue? Go right ahead, Rush. All right. Uh, to round things out, this is one that is near and dear to Stephen, my heart of hearts. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise says Top Gun 2 is oh, definitely happening. This. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. While promoting The Mummy, Cruise confirmed Top Gun 2 is on the way with the Australian morning show Sunrise, according to The Guardian. I was going to post that on Facebook, but then I, I got busy and lost the link, and then I, yeah. <laughs> My bad. Well, perhaps you can post it after the show, Steve. I'll look for it. Tom Cruise says, I'm going to start filming it probably in the next year. I know it's happening. It's definitely happening. You're the first people that I've said this to. Um, and just, I don't know, I was, I was also reading on about the article that says there's been talk about Top Gun 2 for years. Back in 2014, producer Jerry Bruckheimer said the sequel would revolve around drone usage. And producer David Ellison built off that idea in 2015, mentioning that Top Gun 2 would explore the end of an era of dogfighting. What? Well, if you think about like where technology has taken the military well, yeah. and unmanned flying vehicles, that sort of thing. True. But I mean, yes, that's cool. At the same time, it's cooler to have pilots in the in the uh, in the jets themselves. Yeah. I mean, how is Tom Cruise gonna be hanging off some wing with explosions in the back and you know, doing his own stunts if he's there piloting a drone? You know what I'm saying, right? Well, I don't think that's what he'd be doing. I think that they'll <laughs> if if this is to be taken seriously, I think <laughs> A plot line that they may explore is um, man versus machine, right? Like you'll have certain jets that are, are manned, you know, they're, they're piloted, and then you have other ones that are more like UAVs. And then, you know, what happens when you get into a situation or scenario where perhaps they get hacked or there comes a point where you have pilots that have to take on these, you know, can they reach down deep inside and answer that question of man versus machine, who would prevail, that sort of thing, which... Man. Sounds very much like Terminator. Yes. Uh, but I don't know. It's it's something it's an avenue that I think in concept it piques my interest, but I, I think in execution it's gonna be interesting to see what happens because you don't want to go down too much of that sci-fi route. I think you need to keep it within that uh, beloved top gun area. That feel. Yeah. yeah. I feel the need the, the need for speed. speed. Ow! Uh, because I was inverted. You know, the bird. (laughs) Yes, I know the bird. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hate it when that happens. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Yeah, that whole thing was great. Anyway, that about does it for movie news. Now on to our topic of the day. Destiny 2 was teased last week in LA, and this is a game that neither Steve or myself have played. We want to have an in-depth discussion to get brought up to speed about all things Destiny. So we've invited a Destiny specialist on the show to do exactly that. Our guest hails from Seattle. He is co-host of the newly launched DOD Cave podcast. 
writer for Mulehorn Gaming, which, by the way, you can follow on Twitter at CaveDOD and at Mulehorn Gaming, respectively. His dedication to the Seattle Seahawks is only rivaled by his love for gaming, not to mention he's a great buddy of mine. Nick, Xbox Live, 12th Moose, welcome to Joygasm. Well, thank you for having me. It's uh, good to be here. Uh, I don't know if you know quite what you've gotten yourself into inviting me onto your podcast, but we'll see how it goes. It oh, should be fun. I'm hoping it's going to be a titillating experience. Well, I love tits, so let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> let's just go tits up, shall we? Absolutely. So to uh, kick things off properly, how long have you played the original Destiny game? Well, according to my latest time wasted on Destiny calculation, I'm at 1,559 hours, and that's just on the Xbox. I've got uh, wow. probably a couple hundred more on the PlayStation and um, even a little bit of 360 from helping a friend of mine out who was playing on the 360 back when that was a thing. So, yeah, I'm up there. I've got a few hours, but believe it or not, there are people with a lot more than me. Now, explain to that us sounds. how... Um what what made you play the game both on, on the PlayStation as well as the Xbox? Well, to be honest, initially I was an Xbox guy through through Xbox One. And I had a friend of mine who uh, got it on the PlayStation. And I had a PlayStation 4. So I was thinking, okay, yeah, sure, I'll go ahead and get that play a little bit over there. I haven't spent as much time on there, honestly. My characters aren't even full level yet. But uh, the biggest thing why I'm still there and why I'll probably continue to play there has to do, unfortunately, with exclusivity. With uh, Activision having the deal and Bungie having the deal with PlayStation, that's where the exclusives fall. And there have been several exclusives that did they never came out on Xbox. And I don't want to kind of go through that again. I'd like to be able to experience the full game no, sure. uh, this next time around. So with Destiny 2, I think I'm probably going to main on PlayStation 4, but I'll still play on Xbox because I've got an entire community there. That's where my clan's at. Uh, I'll always be there as well, but I'm going to try and juggle both. Wow. So do you think you're going to try and pursue another clan on the PlayStation platform as well, or are you just going to stick to the, the one you, you're at with Xbox? Ultimately, Destiny is a game that is best played with friends and with people. Uh, so I would say more than likely I will eventually take probably join another Dodd clan on the and that's Dad's of Destiny, in case anybody was wondering what the heck that oh, is. Oh, <laughs> you know, I forgot to ask you about that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a clan full of dads. We do have other people in the clans that are not dads, but it's primarily made up of dads, people that understand the dad culture. Uh, anybody who is <laughs> has kids understands that gaming time can be precious and oh, the minutes yes. can be few and far between. So that's the clan that I'm in. So, yeah, I'd probably join another sect of, of the Dad's of Destiny over on the PlayStation 4 side to – continue my adventures as well. Play with a couple of friends who I already know who are, are venturing to PS4 this time around. Now, have you thought about actually starting it up yourself? Starting up my own clan? Uh, you know, I, I've given the idea a little bit of thought, but I'm so immersed in Dads of Destiny. And to be completely honest, Dads of Destiny as a clan has kind of changed my life uh, in a lot of ways for the better. Uh, just meeting so many guys who are in the same walk of life as you that really understand what it's like to be a working father mm -hmm. and to have this great hobby of playing games, you know, this great release where we can go and we can unplug, we can take that mental responsibility off and just go to another place and do fantastic things with good people. 
as a result of that, I tend to think I will probably stick with Dads of Destiny. I mean, I'm immersed in it. I'm on the podcast. It's kind of my thing at this point. And it's been such a good experience for me that I'd be reluctant to try and uh, head out on my own mm-hmm. when I've got such a good uh, a good thing going. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, actually, that, that kind of excuse me nice <laughs> sorry i just totally coughed in steve's face that was awesome wonderful Woo! this is right, going towel. swimmingly <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's really good <laughs> oh man <coughs> you think i'm getting the black lung pup yeah exactly i'm getting the black lung um yeah, that actually kind of like, kind of leads into the my next question, which would be, what was the magic that captured you and retained your interest with regards to Destiny? And this may be kind of a, a multi-pronged answer from you in the sense that you know perhaps it was the part of, part of the reason was your clan, but I'd, I'd be curious to hear if there was anything else with that. Oh yeah, hopefully got a little bit of time. This is definitely a multifaceted question. The clan was huge. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I've made some friends inside the clan and friends of friends from the clan um, that I consider like family now. So that allure was always there. But That's I kind of already talked about that. Uh, so, but the aside from the clan factor, which is, I mean, I'm talking to these guys just about every day on our chat mm-hmm. and whatnot, as well as in game when I'm on. The game itself is. It's just got a unique hook and it's a hard thing to pin down because there's a lot of things that Destiny does. And another thing that makes it hard to pin down is that it didn't start out all that great. Right. When Destiny came out, it was kind of a flawed game. It's been well documented that they had to kind of change things mid process of banking the game. They kind of ditched the story and the thing that they were going to do and went another direction and had to rush it out. And so when Destiny arrived, it was in some ways bare bones, I guess would be the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Kind of bare bones. Story was a bit disjointed and lacking at times, but there was this great skeleton there of fantastic gunplay, which Bungie's known for. Oh, yeah. These incredible uh, classes that you could play in Warlock, Titan, and Hunter, and just a world that was just begging to be fleshed out. So I came in a little bit later. I didn't come in right at launch i played the beta and immediately realized hey this is a game you're gonna have to have friends to play with and at the time i think that you and i may have been the only people i knew that actually had an xbox one and Mm -hmm. at the time you weren't you weren't interested in pursuing it so i kind of waited and eventually some other friends of mine uh will who you know Mm -hmm. uh mr got it he actually got it first and talked me into it so shortly after my birthday which would have been right about the time that the Dark Below expansion. That was the first expansion for Destiny. So you say Dark Below or Dark Blow? The Dark Below. Oh, the Dark Below. <laughs> yes. Someone's going to have that as their Xbox Live title. I'm Dark Blow. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's lovely. I don't know if you want to blow I, this. I, it's Dark and Below. Dark or I, Darth. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't get it. Is this a metaphor? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Dark Blow. Yeah, there's lots of great names out of Destiny. Like I saw one the other day. It was like Cabals to the Walls. That was pretty <laughs> awesome. But anyway, I digress. So, yeah, there was this great skeleton. I came in late. I came in when the Dark Blow released just after it released. So it would have been January of the very first year of Destiny. And was impressed. Started playing. Got up to about level 20 or so and realized, you know what? I got my buddy Will. I got me. 
we need like four other dudes to do anything that's really good in this game, which is the raids. That is the thing that Destiny really has made its mark with is it's got these incredible raids. And at the time they had the Vault of Glass raid Mm -hmm. and they had uh, the Dark Below's uh, raid, which was uh, Crota's End. And I wanted in on that big time. (laughs) I was like, this is why this game exists. This is the top tier stuff. This is what I want to do. That's where the good loot is at. That's what I want to do. And so uh, realizing that myself and Will weren't going to be enough, I eventually went out and uh, started listening to a lot of podcasts, actually, about oh, right Destiny. Um, and so I listened to, the at the time, they were pretty fledgling. I think they were just getting started, uh, IGN's Fireteam Chat. And I also found Guardian Radio, mm-hmm. which is still going. And they had actually started their podcast, I think, like two years before Destiny even launched. They were that hyped about it. No, I'm dead serious. If you get a chance to listen to it, it's Guardian Radio. Uh, Mark Turcotte is the host, and that dude is a wizard. He's fantastic as a host, and they've got some great guys and a gal on there that talk about Destiny and the community and all things Destiny. So nice. little little plug. But when I was listening to them right off the bat, I think it was the first or second episode that I listened to, they happened to talk about the Dads of Destiny. And so I reached out based on that, which for me was a big step because like a lot of people, I'm a little bit of a hermit. Uh, the internet can be a very scary place. I've had a lot of bad experiences playing Halo and Call of Duty with some really toxic people oh, sure. online. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been really reluctant to play multiplayer games with people I don't actually know in the real, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, But they, they're like, it's this dad clan, and it's full of dads, and they understand that if you got to leave all of a sudden in the middle of something, they're not going to berate you for it. you know. And if you're not the best player, it's not a big deal. I took a shot. Best choice I've ever made in gaming hands down really so, so absolutely more so than any other game yeah honestly i mean i played other other games now granted i'm not destiny is one of my favorite games it'll never beat super metroid for me that's my all-time favorite oh it's i just, never knew that i didn't know that was your favorite game oh yeah there's nostalgia there that just i, I just love that game the music everything is just fantastic but anyway mm-hmm. um yeah the best decision i ever made was joining dads of destiny because it immersed me in this group of people who are in the same walk of life like i said that really understood my situation. Uh, they were great people. They immediately like told me what to do to get ready to do the raid. And then they sherpa'd me, which that's what we call it. Destiny kind of like the Sherpas that take people up to Mount Everest to the people who climbed it before uh-huh, yeah. they take the new people and, and take them up there. Kind of That's them what up they call there. them. In, exactly. That's what they call them in destiny. So they would get a group of five guys who had done the raid and they'd take me, my little new butt, and they drug me through it. You and I got to experience nice both raids in one night. I got to play the Vault of Glass and I got to play Crota's Ed. And they just, it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. It was so different from any other shooter. I mean, most shooters you play, it's, you know, enter this corridor, shoot these guys, go onto this battlefield, shoot these guys, move to the next point, kill those things. Maybe there's a little bit of vehicle combat, things like that there is strategy in raids. Mm-hmm. You can't just go in there and just think, oh yeah, I'm just going guns blazing, blah, 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 and it's going to be over. Uh-uh. It's, there's, there's puzzles. There's things you got to figure out. You got to be in the right place at the right time doing the right things with your weapons. It's complex, but it's just this great, you know, both mental and dexterity exercise for someone who really enjoys shooters and enjoys role-playing games. It was just a great mesh of the two. Now, when you, and, w- with your clan, um, do you think that that was exclusive just to the, the clan that, that you joined up in terms of the support? Because the reason I ask, I've seen videos on YouTube where you're there. It seems like the destiny community 
as a whole is quite supportive. Like I, I, I watched um, some of the, the more rock star or celebrity esque destiny players who would like, there was one great story I saw, I think it was like three months ago, three or six months ago. I can't remember exactly, but there was this guy who apparently is one of the best players of destiny. And there was a gentleman who unfortunately uh, was terminally ill his friends ended up contacting this guy because he had never gotten to some. And again, Oh I, yeah, that was Dr. Lupo. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. That's his name. Absolutely. And uh, that was really cool. I watched the whole video and I just, I was touched by the fact that you have people who are patient with not only newcomers to the game, like what you just talked about when you first got started and they were handholding, but also just taking the time to be able to, grant people's last wishes, so to speak, to be able to, to achieve something that they were unable to do otherwise. And I, I, if that's true, I think that's, that's a pretty exclusive quality for that game because most of the time in my experience with other games, you don't really have people offering that level of camaraderie, I guess you could say. Absolutely. That is the thing that makes the Destiny community so unique, and I'm glad that you brought it up. It's literally a community. Um, like I said before, I've played a lot of other first person shooters competitively back in my days. My uh, reflexes were a little better than they are now. Not as competitive as I used to be, but I still hold my own in the crucible, which is destiny's version of PVP. But yes, this community is full of great people. Yeah. The dads of destiny is a great clan, but they're only one. Mm -hmm. There are countless others. There are countless other streamers who take their viewers and, and bring them through situations like Dr. Lupo helping the guy who was terminally ill. And if I remember correctly, I think he passed shortly thereafter. He did. Yeah. And I mean, there are countless stories like that raising money for St. Jude. Uh, the destiny community has, if I remember correctly, is the biggest single donation by a, gr a gaming group ever. It was over $500,000 that we raised for St. Jude. Wow. It's just different. It's different from most other communities. It's full of people that care about, about each other, the community. They support each other. Like most directories, if you go on Twitch, for instance, in the streaming community, if you go to other directories for other games, and it may not be this with every every single one or every single person, but in a lot of cases, they're very competitive with one, one another. They don't really want to like support one another or encourage people to watch other streamers that play their game. Mm -hmm. Completely different in the Destiny community. They constantly shout out each other go check out this guy they do raids of other people's streams and send their entire audience in to watch them mm -hmm. when they're done doing their stream it's it's just a good community full of people who are interested in playing destiny they've got passion for the game passion for each other they've really embraced the collaborative spirit of the game and they've taken it into real life and i mean there's all kinds of things that happen you got destiny or pardon me, it used to be called uh, Guardian Con, I think is what it was called. I'm probably getting that wrong. It's probably called Guardian Con. I think it used to be Destiny Community Con, and now it's Guardian Con, which is a thing that a couple of streamers, uh, Professor Broman and Gathalian and uh, another gentleman whose name's escaping me at the moment, which I feel bad about, that they, they set it up. That's just people in the community, and all kinds of people from that play Destiny come to this thing down in Florida and have a great time uh, hanging out with each other, and there's all kinds of events there. That's just the way the community is. And yeah, it's a real attractive aspect of the game that's completely separate from it. 
So just to yeah. be, just to just to explore the the full spectrum, have you ever run across people who were jerks to you uh, while you're playing? Any trolls? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You're gonna run into that anywhere. I mean, there's always bad seeds. Go anywhere. Uh, anytime someone can hide behind the the armor of e- Ethernet cable and internet uh, and just spout off and <laughs> talk trash, they're go- there's gonna be people that do that. That's a good way. Of- you know. And so, yeah, real brave. <laughs> you know, things, th- things that you would never say to someone's face, but I got this smile of Ethernet cable and a satellite. Yeah. So I can say all kinds of crap that I want. Yeah, that guy. You do run into that. I would say that the the hardcore PvP guys run into, into it most. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a thing inside of Destiny called the Trials of Osiris, which is a PvP-based uh, crucible mode that pits the best of the best and it's kind of a once you're dead you're dead kind of situation Mm. so it's imperative that you have good teamwork and you're trying to take out the other team first and some of the guys that are really good guys like dr lupo triple wreck um other people within the community they're fantastic i could go on and on there's so many of them uh yeah they get people texting them and sending them messages that are not not pleasant we'll put it that way things you wouldn't say to your mother (laughs) Understood. Understood. Uh, but I would say on the whole, do I run into it often? Hardly ever. I can probably count the amount of times I personally have experienced it on one hand. Really? Yeah. Based off of the 1500 plus hours that you've invested into the game. Yeah. 1500 hours in just about three years of playing. That is an insane amount of hours. I got to say, I mean, Steve and I were talking about on a previous podcast episode, just our invested amount of hours in overwatch, which <clears throat> Overwatch is how we like to pronounce it. But um, we were talking about how we were approaching 300 hours and we thought we felt pretty cool. But now we realize that's a, that's a whole lot of nada compared to you. <laughs> you got a long way to go, buddy. And like I, I said, I'm, I'm fledgling compared to some people. There's guys in my clan that have well over 2000. That's impressive. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite the thing, but it's just the kind of game. It just sucks you in. If it's not, what you're doing, it's the people you're doing it with. But there's just a thing about this game that keeps people around. So how did your clan come to the idea of starting up your own podcast? We actually had a podcast at one point uh, earlier in Destiny's history for a long time. Uh, To be honest, I don't really know all the specifics about what happened, why it kind of went away. I think the people doing the podcast decided they wanted to go a different direction, Mm -hmm. I think is what I was told. And then it got picked up again for a little bit and then it kind of got dropped. So, uh, as far as the exact specifics, it just seemed like the right time. You know, we hadn't had one. We're a huge clan. I mean, we're worldwide, I think well over 30,000 members, 30,000. Are you serious? Oh yeah. That is, that's cool. Wait, that, that, yeah. Now granted, that's one clan, dude, 30,000 members. Overarching, there's Dodd. There's Big Dodd, as I like to call it. So there's Big Dads of Destiny, and that's the clan moniker. Then there are individual clans all over the world. I have varying from people in Clash of Clans. Very Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got a little ways to go. But yeah, so you've got Big Dodd, and we all fall under the umbrella. And so Big Dodd is basically deciding, you know, okay, what are the things we're going to allow? What kind of image do we want to, you know, what are our tenants of our of our clan rules and things like that, that all gets decided by them. But then there's countless clans, you know, like I'm in Dodd West. Okay. There's, you know, within my clan, even because we have over 200 people, we've got multiple sects. So there's, I'm in Dodd West legends. There's Dodd West, uh, Valhalla. 
There's Dodd West Phantoms, which is like our PvP, like super stud guys mm-hmm. that are in that one. And so and that's just one example. And then there's countless other ones all over uh, the US and the UK and everywhere. And so we've attracted dads from all over the world and all together, all the clans combined under the big name of Dodd. Yeah, we're over 30,000 strong. There's a story that I'd like you to, to tell again that you had um, mentioned to me a while ago over the phone, which uh, I don't want to say everything about it, but essentially like you had befriended somebody from your clan who sent you a gift. Can you, do you know the story I'm telling you about? Oh yeah, absolutely. You're talking about my friend Rawl. Yeah. Yes. My friend Rawl, also known as rental gore is his gamer tag, uh, at least on the Xbox side. He, he was, a uh, one of the first people I met when I came to the dads of destiny, uh, God West legends mm-hmm. was this guy rental. And I had done a couple raids and then I was doing more because I loved it. I was just like, man, I want to do this every week. And so I started doing it. And so I had done a bunch of raids with him and he and I just kind of hit it off. We, I don't know. There was just something about it. We had similar sense of humor and just enjoyed talking to each other. He was very real. And I'm a person who's very much into a real conversation. I'm not real big on small talk. I want to have a good time. I want to be real. I want to talk about the funny things. And I want to talk about the hard things. And he was a guy I could do that with. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we just really hit it off. And, you know, eventually we exchanged numbers and and we've talked many times in in real life. And uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, when Taken King was coming out, uh, right about that time, I had a, a day one Xbox one and it decided to die. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm staring at this nut filled turd that's inside my awesome, you know, entertainment center going, what the hell am I going to do now? Oh, so I bet, I bet you were just absolutely just like, no, yeah, this cannot yeah. be. I was because I mean, number one, I didn't have three hundred dollars or whatever the Xbox was at the time yeah. to go buy a new one. And then I didn't really have one hundred and fifty just laying around offhand to send it in to get it fixed. And plus to send it in, to get it fixed. I think it gets sent to like down to you down to Texas and it takes forever to get back. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, you know, I, I sent him a message I'm like, dude, I, my Xbox died. So have fun doing the Taken King. I'll join you guys whenever, you know, I either get a new one or send this thing in and get it back. Yeah. The next thing I know, I get sent a link to a tracking number. And my friend Rawl, who happens to be, you know, pretty well off, he's done good for himself. He's a hardworking guy. Where does he live? He lives in North Carolina now, but he used to live in California. Okay, okay. Uh, he went ahead and decided, out of the goodness of his heart, to just buy me a new Xbox. And he sent it over to me, and that came in the mail. And he and I, when the time came, and our other friend Matt, We enjoyed all that story content together and had a great time. And The Taken King was monumental in its scope and the expansion of the story compared to everything that had come before in Destiny. So I was just I felt very blessed and privileged to have made a friend like that who would reach out to me when he didn't need to and uh, do something like that. You know, it's just. That's what I mean. It's just it's a different community. It's it's a different group of guys. It's a different community. It's a different game. Yeah. It just it does something. I don't know what it is. It just engenders goodwill in people. Well, it's for the most a part. very generous gift. I mean, the fact that like you, you guys never met face to face. You've you've had conversations on the phone and that sort of thing. But I mean, wasn't the Xbox One like four hundred dollars back then? 
yeah, I want to say this is before the S came out, I think, or maybe the S was just about to come out like that fall. And so it was still, yeah, a pricey, pricey machine. It was not an inexpensive gesture, yeah, to say the least. And, you know, fortunately, I've been able to pay it forward and give that Xbox, pardon me, Xbox onto uh, a friend of mine who wanted to play with his stepson and his stepson couldn't afford to buy a new Xbox one. So I was able to pay it forward because I sent mine in and got it fixed and it came back. Yeah. You know, because once I had the money and so that that was it was just a really good thing. And I mean, yeah, he's a great guy. I followed him all over the world. He went and worked in Paris for a while. He was in Paris when the terrorist attack happened there, which is pretty freaky because he's there with his family and you know his wife and kids. And oh, wow. That actually prompted them moving back here and getting the job he has now in North Carolina. And But those are the kind of people you meet in Dad's Destiny. And those are the kind of people that you meet in Destiny if you know where to look. And that I mean. That is impressive. I mean, when you think about... Like, I'd do anything for that guy, man. Yeah. Paul's my boy. And if he needed me to fly out to North Carolina right now, I mean, I'd put it on my credit card and I'd be out there if he needed help with something. It's that kind of relationship. That's... I mean, I've I've never heard stories like that regarding gaming. I think I think as a whole, the gaming community is maturing. You know, like like when you and I were younger, uh, we, were, we were part of the generation that grew up with the, the original NES and just... You know, as mm-hmm. we became parents and and you know spouses, that sort of thing, we're, we're at the point now where we're in our thirties and forties, and I don't know. I, I'm. It does make me smile, for lack of a better way of describing it, hearing stories like that, just because there is a certain maturity that is evolving with the gaming community, and I think it plugs into other areas too, such as. Like Comic Con, for instance, you know when you if you I know you you uh, attended your your first Comic Con this year, and yep. um, there is also a a very similar type of um, relationship building that goes on where you have people who have similar interests, and uh, th- for the most part, you have folks who are just really nice, polite, well-to-do, good-humored people, and and. Like, like, you know, what your story proves, I mean, also they can be quite generous and I, I don't know, I, I, that story always stuck with me. So I'm glad I, I remembered to, to ask you to, to, to retell it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's a story I enjoy telling. Um, I've shared it in articles. I've shared it in posts on various places on the internet because, you know, it touched my heart and I think it's important that people realize that, you know, it's not all bad stuff out there on the Internet. It's not all bad stuff out there in gaming. Gaming can get a bad rap sometimes. And I don't think it's necessarily fair. It certainly wasn't in this case. Yeah. Well, let's jump into um, the original Destiny game for a moment. Can you give us an overview, uh, like a high level overview of the original Destiny? I know you've kind of touched on points already, but just give us a synopsis of, of, of what the kind of the story was with destiny drill down a little bit into the game mechanics and then we'll, we'll push forward from there. Absolutely. So initially, like I said, uh, when vanilla came out, as we referred to it in the original destiny, it was kind of disjointed uh, because of their needing to make it over again at the last second. So initially you were kind of just like, okay, I'm a guardian. I got some sweet powers and I can kick, you know, kick ass and, this is pretty neat, and there's these enemies I fight, and apparently they need to die. But it all kind of centered around the basic story was around the Traveler. Mm-hmm. The Traveler is this big giant orb that hovers over the last city that's left on Earth, uh, right next to the tower, which is where you t- – that's your social space where you would hang out. Oh, I remember the key art for that, Destiny. I think. Yeah, you, you probably do. It's, it's pretty iconic. Okay. So – 
the tra- when the traveler came, it brought a golden age to humanity. Uh, it, it increased our lifespan. It boosted our intellect. We were able to create incredible things that we never would have been able to create before. And we went through a golden age that lasted several hundred years until the darkness came. Well, apparently the traveler had an enemy that's been chasing it across the cosmos and it's known as the darkness. And when it came for us, the traveler tried to run away. Well, we had built some pretty awesome AIs here on earth. And one of them was an AI named Rasputin and Rasputin decided to blast with all of his awesome power. Cause he's basically got access to all of earth's defenses. Mm-hmm. He blasted the traveler and crippled it. So the traveler couldn't run away. So in a last ditch effort to protect itself and humanity from the darkness, he created ghosts and started reviving dead people as guardians. So we're kind of like liches a little bit, you know, the ghost is kind of your phylactery. It controls your light, has the ability to revive you and whatnot. So that's a key part of the story. Your ghost is always with you and does most of the narration. So that's the basic story, how it got started. Mm -hmm. Uh, From there, it's like we had uh, multiple enemies. We fight Uh, the main enemies in destiny uh, to this point are the Vex, which are a, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, well, they look like robots. Let's just put it that way. They look like robots, but they're actually made up. They, they live in a fluid and they're like, uh, kind of like, oh gosh, what is it? The man of war? They live in a fluid? Yeah, they, they actually live in a fluid. Okay. We call it Vex milk. And they're they're like the man of war. <laughs> so they're, oh, why can I not think of the word? This is driving me nuts. Oh my gosh. But anyway, so there's a bunch of them inside each one of these things, and, and they control these constructs to attack. They are able to travel through time, and they're trying to create a future where they will still exist. Mm-hmm. So they're doing their own thing, and they're constantly getting in the way. And the first uh, raid that you had was actually against the Vex in this place called the Vault of Glass. Uh, the second enemy is the Fallen. The Fallen were the, race, the last race that the Traveler stopped at. They used to be known as the Elixni. They refer to themselves as the Fallen because when the Traveler left, they lost all of their gifts. All the things that we enjoy as Guardians that the Traveler brought, they used to have. And they want it back. So they came to Earth chasing the Traveler, trying to figure out how to get the Traveler to uh, reinstate a Golden Age for them. So you can understand why we have problems okay. <laughs> with those yeah. guys. And then you have the... The Hive, which the Hive are the mortal enemy of. Hive. They're the mortal enemy. They're what the darkness is. They're the mortal enemy of the Traveler that's been chasing them across the cosmos for literally millions and millions of years. And uh, they are multifaceted, lots of different uh, types of Hive. And they had a leader named Oryx. That's what the Taken King expansion was all about who is the one that's been following the traveler across the cosmos and trying to destroy it because they live by this thing that's called sword logic that i won't get into because we'll be here all night it's (laughs) It's deep deep lore but anyway so the basic i mean the basic premise is that you've been fighting all these enemies you've been trying to protect humanity and you're trying to figure out a way to get humanity going again because humanity's in a rough place most of the earth is dead zones where there really isn't nothing and most of humanity lives in this city right underneath the tower. And 
there's all these these forces that are going against humanity trying to wipe you out. And so and we're the only thing that stands in between them is Guardians. And you've got the Warlock class, which is sort of like the, the mage class of Destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're known as being very uh, book smart, uh, dabbling in lore. They, they're about you know intellect and discovery and research. And they, they wield powers more similarly to a mage. You've got the Titan. Anybody who's played Halo, they'll understand the Titan right off the bat. He's the big tank, get in your face and punch the things blow crap up, you know, take names, mm-hmm. as they say. And uh, that's what I play as. I actually run three of them on my Xbox because I love Titan so much. <laughs> so Titan's like the tank class. Yeah, he's like the tank class. Okay. And then you've got your hunters, and the hunters are more like the ranger assassin type class. They, they tend to work alone. They, they're high DPS, very agile and mobile. Uh, I like to call them squishy. I enjoy killing them in Crucible <laughs> greatly. He is my it's squishy. my joy. Yes, it's my joy to kill them. And I like to talk lots of trash about them, as you can tell. But uh, anyway, so yeah, the, that's the basic premise of kind of what's going on. Humanity's under siege at various times. Guardians step up, save the day. If you're going to do the too long, you know, didn't read sort of version. Mm-hmm. And underneath that, the thing that makes it go Again, is this incredibly crisp gunplay, uh, a loot system that is, let's just say, addictive. <laughs> you've got all kinds of weapons and armor, and you've got these exotic weapons, which are like the top tier stuff that you want to get your hands on and exotic armor. And then, of course, you've got your various subclasses. Each one of the, the, the classes has three subclasses apiece. That's uh, solar based an arc or lightning based and then a void based. So you've got a lot of room to kind of play with your different characters. They play differently from one another. They're all a little bit different. So if you want to play three characters, you got a ton of variety. And basically, the good news is, and the reason that it kept me along is, yeah, you had this great variety, these great characters, and these great guns, but that's not enough to keep someone playing for 1,500 hours, <laughs> is that Bungie <laughs> is very good at listening to their community. Okay. So like I said at the beginning, bad story, don't really know what's going on, kind of disjointed. You'd have to read the grimoire, which was outside of the game. It was these cards you'd get as you do things in game that you would unlock that you could go and figure out the story. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't want to get their story that way. So a lot of people didn't have a clue what was going on. And I seem to remember like when the, the various um, critics were, were, were reviewing the game, I remember them saying something along the lines of how they could tell that Bungie was trying to satisfy all these different types of expectations. And as a result, it was kind of this melting pot that didn't quite achieve what they had hoped for. Is that accurate in your estimation based off of your play time or is it something that's a little bit different? Absolutely. In the beginning, in the beginning, that is definitely how it was. They, they, like I said, they scrapped it pretty far in development, had to kind of pick up the pieces and get something out. And yeah, that, that is a very good way of putting it. I would describe it that way. But that's the thing, though, is that, like I said, Bungie listens. They just kept working and on so it. And so they kept working on it. They kept updating it. Uh, each new DLC that came out just fleshed it out a little more, made it a little better. Uh, glitches would happen, and the community let them know they'd fix it. Issues with weapon balancing would happen. The community let them know they would fix it. Uh, people wanted more story inside the game. The cinematics improved. The story improved. They drugged in other characters. Probably the best thing they did was with the Taken King, they relied heavily on Nathan Fillion, 
of Firefly uh, fame, if anybody's familiar with that. He has a good relationship with Bungie. He's he was also in uh, the latest Halo game. Yes, he's a big time gamer and and he actually asked to be in Halo and uh, a long time ago. And yeah, he's actually done a few voices in Halo over the years. Yeah. And yeah, he does have a good relationship with them. And he plays a character in the game called Cade Six. He's the hunter's vanguard. So if you're playing a hunter, he's the guy you go to whenever you're getting missions and stuff. He's the guy that kind of directs what you're doing. And he's hilarious. No shock there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They relied heavily on him in The Taken King. And it was funny. And it was fresh. And they brought in the other characters. And there was such a good balance. Because, I mean, they've got great actors behind these, these uh, various characters. So the, the characters have real weight. And so it was great to see going from having this kind of disjointed story where these vanguard folks were just in the tower and they just kind of said random lines, but you didn't really have an interaction with them to they become more and more part of the story. They are in on your missions. They're talking to you. They're telling you what to do. And they injected humor and just, they continued to listen. And as you, and as people who played from year one to this point, it's a completely different game from what it was when we started. When the game was released, was that 2013? Yeah. It was 2013. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's been out for a while. Yeah, it has been. It has been out for a while. But the thing is, is and that's because they took that kind of dedication, dedication to listening and parsing through. Because I'm sure they got tons of stuff that's just like, you want us to do what? You want us to put skirts on Guardians? What are, what are you talking about? I'm sure they had lots of bizarre stuff like that. You know? Yeah. You know, I want my Guardian to have a pony. <laughs> I just want to have a pony. You know, so they ignored that kind of thing, but they listened to rainbows. the good feedback. Yeah, they listened to the good feedback and they made adjustments and they made improvements. And as the, the new expansions came out, a lot of them were free mm-hmm. that made the game better. Lots of live events and things that happened around the holidays and just all kinds of really good things. It just they kept the player base engaged. It answered a lot of the things that they wanted and got to the point now where there's just there's so much to do. If you were to come into Destiny right now, you could probably play eight hours a day every day of the week. And you could probably play clear up till Destiny 2 launches and probably not not complete everything. It's that big. At least not without help. Yeah, it's that big. There's enough things to do between all the different missions and items that you can collect. And the, you got four raids at this point. You know, you got countless strikes, which strikes are like little mini missions you go on with three guys that, uh, you know, has a very clear beginning and a very clear end. And at the end, there's a boss that you fight. And uh, sort of almost like a kind of like a dungeon instance in an MMO. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, you could probably play from now till then. And if you were to try to get three characters, get them fully leveled, all subclasses leveled and try and get all the gear, you probably couldn't get it done mm-hmm. by the time Destiny releases, uh, Destiny 2 releases on September 8th. So and the thing is, is if you would have fun doing it, though, which is more than you could say for a lot of people, because there's a lot of people that came in in vanilla Destiny they hit level 20. And they kind of burnt out because it was not exactly the best game. It just definitely wasn't what it is now at the beginning. But for those of us who stuck it out, we've been rewarded. And it's mostly because Bungie's a great company that listens to feedback and, and makes really good improvements now, and never sits on their laurels. Is level 20 the maximum level or can does it go up to 50? Oh, or? no, no, no. You're much higher than that. I think... Uh, I hate to admit this, but I haven't been playing Destiny a whole lot lately because oh. I've kind of done I've kind of done most of it, you know, at this well, point. Now. But I, I want to say that you can get to level forty is the cap, uh, but then you've got a light level. Okay, that you can get up to like four hundred. So, so one of the that's on, that's on the side. One of the other questions I had is, um, 
I was doing some initial YouTubeage, and um, there's like, and I, actually, I think I think you mentioned this too. There's some sort of card system that's in the game. I assume you're speaking of the grimoire. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only card thing I know. There's no Hearthstone or anything in here, despite their now affiliation with Blizzard for Destiny like, 2. Don't, don't they have like some sort of card system where like it, it explains more of the story or something? Yeah, act, that's the Grimoire. That and that's that. what I was oh, talking about. Okay. okay. Uh, that's what I was talking about is the Grimoire. So like I said, initially in Vanilla Destiny before any of the expansions came out, the only way you could really figure out what was going on beside a very vague idea of what was going on was as you played the game and did different things and unlocked Grimoire would be to go to Bungie.net and go and look up these cards and read them because they're full of lore. And that's the thing, man. I'll tell you what. If you take the time to actually go and read these things, wow. We're talking some epic, high-end fantasy writing, sci-fi fantasy writing. Oh, I bet you did it's that. It's really, really good. Yeah. Oh, I've spent a lot of time. There's a lot of really there. great – oh, yeah. There's a lot of really great podcasts uh, that, that cover just lore, and um, I listened to most of them. Uh, at one point, actually, when there was a little bit of a lull in Destiny, that was really the only thing that was keeping me around was listening to these different lore podcasts. But, I mean, there's incredible story in the Grimoire. But that was the problem. Again, that's what a lot of people's complaints were. And from what I understand in Destiny 2, the Grimoire is actually going away and they're really going to be pushing in-game cinematic storytelling and in-game storytelling so that it's there for everybody. They don't have to go find it at an external source, which is kind of, to be honest, is a bit of a hot-button topic because there's a lot of what we call lore masters in the Destiny community that their, their whole thing that they do on YouTube or on their podcast is literally going through the lore talking about it, speculating on what it means, what it could mean for the future, trying to, you know, pick up those breadcrumbs and, and figure out where where it's all going, you know, who is this character really, you name it, that there's lots of mysteries within the lore. And so they're kind of, you know, feeling like their identity has been marginalized. And so it'll be interesting to see how how Bungie handles that exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh not to get on to Destiny 2, because I know we're still talking about Destiny 1, but since we're talking about the Grimoire, I feel it, uh, it applies. Oh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see if they can continue to have the level of storytelling that they have for those of us who are willing to go to the Grimoire, only in-game. My fear personally is that it, the the storytelling will be mostly related to the here and now, mm-hmm. to what's ha- you know the events happening at hand, and not talk as much about the history. And if that is the case, that would be really sad, because... They've created a really robust history for for Destiny with some epic characters uh, that it would, it would just be really sad if those stories were just kind of left behind. So I'd be, I'd be interested to see what they do to kind of compensate for a lack of Grimoire. But for those who are in Destiny 1 right now playing, the Grimoire is there. You unlock it as you do different things and you accomplish different feats within the game. And if you want to to read some really good stuff, and that's a good that's a good place to go if you're just getting into Destiny and you want to know more about what's going on. Okay. So this this uh, next question I have for you is uh, one of the ones that I'm I'm really interested in hearing. Since uh, <clears throat> my brother over here, Steve and I, as you well know, are uh, big Halo hey. guys. Um, how exactly is Destiny similar and different from Halo? Because obviously Bungie has, has used some of the... Um, the same type of, of approaches with it being a first person shooter, that sort of thing. Um, us not playing the game, of course, we don't have uh, a good idea of just, 
you know, what they decided to continue using, if anything, versus what they decided to do differently. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? So, I mean, everyone knows Halo. Halo is what put Bungie on the map, really. Yeah. I mean, they had other games before that that did well and were, were acclaimed, but what really launched them as a studio that they are today was Halo. So you can see the backbones of Halo inside of Destiny. Everything from the, the world building to the Titan. Like I said, the Titan bears a lot of resemblance to the Master Chief. Uh, even his armor in some ways is kind of some, some of it anyway, is kind of similar. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can definitely tell that the Titan was heavily influenced by Mr. 117. But, <laughs> and of course the gunplay. <laughs> and of course the gunplay. You know, uh, they have such a great formula for a console-based shooter. Like, it's just everything feels crisp. It feels right. It doesn't feel, you know, sluggish or jumpy. All that kind of stuff from Halo found its way over to Destiny. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I think that a lot of people were sad about that didn't find its way over initially was the storytelling. Because for many of us who played the Halo games, that's the thing that set it apart as a first-person shooter yeah. was the fact that it's just hands and arms above uh, hold on my dog's barking Kai shh. <laughs> you're gonna have to edit that out hey Boochie nah we'll He's, keep it in it's all good anyway keeping it real <laughs> so anyway it's hard to think of the dang dog barking <laughs> I got a, I got a quick question for you Nick yeah I haven't said anything for 45 minutes oh, so oh there let, he let is let get a question in here <laughs> alright so um, I was trying to piece this together knowing nothing about the lore and knowing nothing about destiny uh, but playing Borderlands 2 and the entire Halo series, would you say that obviously the, the play mechanics and the shooting from Halo are in mixed with the personality of, say, like Borderlands, Borderlands 2? Would you say that'd be a good mix? Personality? Personality-wise, would Destiny be it? There, there are some similarities, and being that those are my two favorite shooters you know, prior to get, ever playing Destiny uh, pretty much of all time, uh, I can see where you're going there. Borderlands is a very comical game. It pokes fun at pop culture. It's it's hilarious. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. And and it has that unique looter shooter thing going on, but a heavier RPG element than say Halo. Right. That RPG element that has made its way over to Destiny. So the RPG element, the looter element. Although I would say that Borderlands still probably is got quite a few more weapons than than destiny does that's kind of their thing is just oodles and oodles of guns gun porn um yeah total gun <laughs> porn exactly it's like, oh. you might, some might say you would have a joygasm Love the, oh, oh, oh very uh, nice the gun porn in borderlands there you go shameless plug Bells done so check it big. write the check there we go oh that's just huge oh it <laughs> feels so good in my hand like it was <laughs> born on me totally anyway but so yeah the, the the looter side the rpg elements from borderlands yeah the, those definitely made over you got skill trees similar to what they have in borderlands although done in a very different way and of course you've got loot lots and lots of loot i'll tell you what if there's anything that mr rose here likes mr moose it's it's some loot <laughs> I'm a Diablo junkie. So, yeah. And so it scratches a lot of itches. So, yeah, in, in, in the way of shooting and, and that crisp mechanics that you're used to from, from Halo, if you come into Destiny, that's going to feel familiar real fast. 
But then you've got all these powers and you've got this sort of more RPG type element and you've got all this loot and you want all this loot because you want to look awesome and you want to shoot the things with cool stuff. So you, you just you've got that aspect coming on and then you've got the MMO side. That's the one thing that it has. that's kind of separate from both those games is that there is this massive multiplayer element to it. Not quite, you know, as fleshed out as say something like World of Warcraft. But it, like I said earlier, it encourages you to get people, join a clan, and play with your buddies. Mm-hmm. And get in there with, you know, three of you for, if you're going to go into a uh, strike, get three of your buddies and go in and do that. If you're going to do patrol, get three of your buddies and go and do that. If you're going to do rage, you're getting six of your buddies and you're going to go do that. If you're going to go to Crucible, same thing. You could get six. Or if you're going into Trials, you get three of your best PvP buds and go buck wild. And so... Anyone who's played Halo will have some familiarity as far as the control schemes and things like that. But it's just such a different game Mm -hmm. when you add on all that RPG type stuff, RPG and looter shooter. And (laughs) is that what they call it? Looter shooter? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. They call it a looter shooter. And so it's such an interesting amalgamation. And there really isn't another game that's quite like it because as good as Borderlands is, the gunplay is not as crisp as a game like Halo. Yeah. You know, there's there's die rolls and things going on behind the scenes to determine if you're going to hit and things like that. It has much more in common with like a, a game like like Skyrim or before they changed the VAT system Fallout than it does with a, an actual true FPS. So this combines all of the crisp action and, and, and function of the FPS genre, Halo in particular, with these two other uh, elements of RPG and then obviously the looter shooter style thing of Borderlands. So it makes for just a really, in my opinion, addicting gameplay. It's really fun and it's easy to get sucked in. Yeah. Especially if you got some good people to do. It. But yeah, it has its similarities and its bare bones in Halo, but it's become quite its own, its own thing. It's kind of their magnum opus really. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to check with Steve here real quick. Did you have any other questions before we dive into destiny Two? Uh, I just want to make sure I'm not going to leave you in the cold. Yeah, yeah, Steve. yeah, 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 yeah. I appreciate that, Russ. No, I think, uh, I mean, I have questions, but you kind of sort of asked a bunch of them or a roundabout way. It's almost um, like we're on the same wavelength. Isn't that great? It's like you're related. No, I, mean, <laughs> no, I, I was going to ask questions about the community and whatnot, um, which you already did. So uh, I, I think I got everything answered so far. I mean, nice. good job, Russ. Hey, you know what? It's like I almost know what I'm doing over here. It's nice to hear. Almost, but let's not get your head all inflated. <laughs> no, no, you know, no. I know you. So Keyword yeah. being almost. <laughs> One thing I will say is if somebody wanted to come in and start playing Destiny right now to occupy their time before they went to Destiny 2 just to get their feet wet, you could do it. You could have a great time, especially if you got yourself tied in with a good clan or if you've got several buddies that play it. You could come in and have a good time right now if you wanted to. Uh, and it wouldn't be a bad way to kind of get an idea of what's coming. But I will tell you, they're setting up Destiny 2, since we're about to talk about that, they're setting up Destiny 2 to appeal to someone that's just getting there. It's really a fresh start. You know, and that, that's one of the things that I um, had my interest peaked as a result because I, I saw the key art come out and I was like, wow, that key art looks pretty sweet. And um, and then I started looking more into it and they were you know, really quick to say how this is a brand new story. This is not a continuation of the older story. Um, and just, yeah, a lot of what I was seeing caused me to want to like be able to talk to you about destiny as a whole, just because you along with quite a few other buddies of mine um, are just, are just like you in the sense of, of their dedication to the game, 
how passionate they are playing it. And, and ironically enough, they're all dads. And it's funny because like they, they, <laughs> they've all joined their own clan. And I think they, they have some, some similar attributes to, to the clan that you described as well. But I think that there is, there is some sort of overarching universal camaraderie that, that is attached to that. And I always thought that was a, a pretty neat thing to uh to just listen to so when that's when destiny 2 started to leak out i was thinking well okay i I think i might be open to giving this a shot just based on i mean of course it's bungie i mean bungie you know based off of the halo franchise alone um I, i have very high hopes for for games that they come out with so um mm-hmm. bouncing over officially into destiny 2 um, last week, Bungie held, uh, I guess along with Activision, they had their, their big, um, destiny to reveal. And, uh, of course all the members of the press were there and that sort of thing. What, uh, what are some of your main takeaways from the event? So it's really good that we're, we're going to start right there. Some of the main takeaways. So like you were saying, you got people, you know, that are playing this game. And they've developed that camaraderie. And so uh, one of the things that Bungie stated when they, right off the bat inside the stream was that they had had big goals for D2 and three particular ones that they pointed out. They wanted to create a world that pulls you, the player, in. They wanted to make sure that you have amazing things to do regardless of how you play, whether you're a solo player, a hardcore PvP guy, a raider, or whatever you like to do. And they wanted to make sure, lastly, that you always have someone to play with. So one of the harder things about Destiny 1 was that um, there were some activities that had a, you know, a, a matchmaking um, engine set into it. But the high-end stuff, the nightfalls, the raids, they didn't. So if you didn't have a clan, it could be kind of a pain in the butt to try and get into a raid and play that for the first time or play a nightfall, which nightfall is a extremely hard strike. So they take one of the strikes that's in the game and they put all these modifiers in it. Mm -hmm. If you've ever played firefight in the the old halo games, as you played through at each level, it start adding these modifiers in that made it harder. That's kind of like what the nightfall is like. You couldn't do those unless you knew some people that would go in to do it. Uh, Or you had to do LFGs and pick up with randoms. And as we talked about, when you're picking up with random people, you're getting the pick. You're not getting the pick of the litter. You're getting whatever's left over. And and there's a lot of people who did have toxic encounters when just doing LFG type stuff, looking for group. So they have gone out of their way. I'd say this is one of the biggest things to really push clans into the forefront and to create a situation where clans can take a person and drag them through the game. So, it's called guided games and you can take uh, what happens is they'll take a clan. And if you've got five guys in your raid party and you need a six, you can go on there and say, boop. Okay, here we are. Here's our clan thing. And your clan deal will pop up and it'll have kind of like your little blurb about what your clan is about. And it'll put you out there that you're looking for a player. And then there could be seekers and seekers will be solo players who can then queue in. They can look at your little clan description and what you're about and decide, yeah, I want to go ahead and try the raid with these guys. Mm-hmm. Or they could decide not to, depending on what it is. You know, you could be, we're super hardcore guys with big dicks and huge balls, and we do nothing but kill things. And if you die at all, we're going to break your neck. Yeah. So you may not want to go and do the raid with that guy. But if you, you know, if you come to like Dads of Destiny, you see what we're about, you might want to run with us because we're good people. We sherpa a lot of guys uh-huh. and gals. So 
yeah, they're able to then look and kind of peruse through these various people because it'll just put a whole bunch of them up. Hey, choose from one of these groups. And now someone who would never have an opportunity to do these Hyatt stuff will be able to do it. That's one of the biggest things that's changed from Destiny 1 to Destiny 2. And that's great because it further fosters that community. Yeah, You're going to get new members in your clans from doing this stuff. Because they're going to come in and they're going to play with like a guy like like you and Steve. And they're going to be like, man, those dudes were hilarious. And they were good people and they were low-key and low-stress. We had the best time. I want to play with them again. What clan you all in? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Here it is right here. I just picked the thing. Yeah. Okay. Can I get an invite to your guys' clan? So it's just going to continue to foster that good community, that, that the cohesion, and that, that sense that we're all in this together. And I think that's a, probably one of the, the biggest things that they did. That's, that was one of the big things they started out with was talking about these things. Going back to the creating a world that pulls you in and having amazing things to do. Uh, currently, uh, patrols, which are one of the things you can do, you can go to one of the planets that's available, unlocked in Destiny 1, fly in. There's these public events. These random things will happen. Enemies will show up. you you got to defeat them for a certain amount of time and protect something. And then once you do, you get completion of the public event. You get some various loot. But it was kind of simplistic. So patrols get old really fast. If all you're ever doing in Destiny is patrols, you'll get bored really quickly. Mm-hmm. So they were like, you know what? We need to take things like that, that that a lot of the solo players like to play and make them more robust. So they're doing things. They're adding in adventures. So there's going to be NPCs out in the world that you're going to meet that are going to further along the Destiny 2 story and flesh out the world and send you out to do things. And they say these missions are going to be like, you know, 15, 20 minute missions where you go out and do something and then there's going to be rewards from doing it. You're going to learn more about the Destiny universe outside of the main campaign story. Um, there's going to be treasure maps that you get so you can go and find hidden loot. Our treasure. So it's going to encourage you to explore. Now, a couple of my buddies, my friend Raw, who I talked about earlier, they refer to me as Indiana Jones because if, whenever we're in a new mission, I'm trying to climb everything. I'm trying to get everywhere. <laughs> They're like, where's where's Moose? Where did he go? Oh, what are you doing up there? How did you get up there? Yeah. Oh, no, I wanted to see if I could find a hidden ghost or something, man. No, it's like how – I, I gotta find the stuff. I gotta find them things. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, you know, come on, cue the Anna Jones music. Let's do this. Yeah. But anyway, so they're putting things like that out in the world in the patrols, so that if you just show up and you want to just be by yourself and just run around for a little while and just do something kind of just mellow like patrol, there's gonna be countless stuff for you to do. And then of course they're still taking the great things: strikes, campaign mode, later on the, the raid. PVP, all that stuff's going to be there and they're just making it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when, um, the, the jump between halo one and halo two occurred at E3 where they were showing off all these new gameplay mechanics and that sort of thing. I mean, it was just, my head was just blown. Oh yeah. Me too. Just looking at the amount of brand new, never before seen gameplay mechanics in there. And it sounds like, like dual wielding SMGs. Oh, Anybody remember that? Yeah. Hijacking oh, yeah. a vehicle. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, dude. That was good stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Taking me back. Back in good old days. <laughs> I want to cry. You're my oh, boy, my Blue. <laughs> You're my boy. <laughs> Somebody play Dust in the Wind. All right. <laughs> Um, so where are, let's see. So you said you, you were talking about having amazing things to do regardless of how you play solo PVP Raider, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Always have someone to play with. Yep. And then creating a world. That was the other thing. I guess I didn't really elaborate. So the, some of the biggest complaints as I've already said a couple times was that the story was kind of hard to find at times early on in destiny. Got much better as it went along, 
But they've really heard that. And so they have worked hard to create a world that's going to pull you in. They want there to be tons of things with story and, and bits of lore scattered throughout your playing experience. So there's something new to see, something new to do. Cinematics, lots more cinematics. They're involving some of the, the Vanguard folks. So like I said, you had Cade, Nathan Fillion's character, who's the Vanguard hunter. Um head guy you've also got zavala who's voiced by lance reddick who is the titans main guy and then you have a cora ray who's the warlocks they're out there fighting with you that's never happened in destiny before they're in the fight you're getting to see because all you hear about is how these people were so amazing when they were out doing guardian stuff before they became part of leadership oh sure and you're like really well they're doing a really good job of making sure that table don't move anywhere but that's about <laughs> all i see you doing that's pretty neat you well, don't let that run away now okay I think you're doing a great job. They did um, very different. They're going to be out there with you. I feel like they did some of that with Halo Reach. Where like, did, like, didn't you have kind of a squad based NPC setup where if you're playing through the single player campaign, like they had. Uh, yes, I think like that's right. Or four that's other still Spartans. my favorite. Oh, that's still dude, my favorite so Halo. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, similar kind of thing. Now, um, I've only seen it a glimpse, a glimpse of it as everybody has from, from the stream. Yeah. But it appeared to be kind of similar where like, they're there walking with you and Zavala's throwing up bubbles to protect guys. And, and you know, they're, they're immersed in the combat themselves. There's one scene where Cora Ray, the, the warlock, and I don't know if you watched the stream, she is over there with you and you go to find the speaker who was the head of the tower. He was the guy that he had direct connection with the traveler and he directed everything. Uh, you go to find out if he's okay. You can't find him. And the ship comes in and she jumps up on top of it and fires a big old Nova bomb on the thing and takes it out and then rides the crashing plane down. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff never happened in Destiny 1. And I was just sitting there again with my mouth on the floor having a joygasm <laughs> shameless plug number two. <laughs> yeah. What are you just doing? like <laughs> totally fanboying out just like, what? She just jumped on a freaking plane. Yeah. You know, it was, just, it was awesome. But that's the kind of world that pulls you in. Because at this point, after three years, we've got emotional attachments to these characters. Sure. We want to see them do things and we wanted to do things with them. And now we are. And I figure just a little bit they showed us, if that's even a glimpse of what's going on, it's just going to get better from there because you know they're not showing us the best stuff. Yeah. But yeah, those were the, the, their big goals uh, right off right off the bat. That's pretty cool. What else would you like to know about the D2 stuff? Oh, I'm going through all of my little noty notes here. Um, did you talk about um, patrols in, in Destiny 2? I, I remember you were saying something about how patrols have become more yeah, varied and just... I know you mentioned like Guardians will meet NPCs, that sort of thing, but... Um, mm -hmm. I guess when it comes... And again, you have to forgive me. I haven't played the game, so I <laughs> don't have any point of reference on this. Um, the patrols that you go on versus like the main story and everything else are, are all of the components of the lore. Are they intertwined into one cohesive story or is it kind of like an RPG where like you have your overarching kind of main theme of the story and then you have kind of these secondary quests that go on that, that really, I mean, they, they're kind of there to kind of flush out the world, but it's not part of the, the, the whole story that the game is trying to tell. 
No, I mean, I can't say for sure because I haven't been there, but from I've listened to a lot of different uh, uh, interviews and things with uh, Luke Smith and Mark Noseworthy. And from from what I've gathered, it's probably more the latter. So you're going to have the main campaign, and the main campaign is going to pit you against the Red Legion leader, whose name is Gaul, also known as Gary, which go go look up the, the Gary trailer with Nathan Fillion. It's pretty funny if you haven't seen it. But you've got him. He came here because he is one of the Cabal, which is one of the enemies, uh, the one enemy I didn't talk about because I want to talk about them more in Destiny 2. They do exist in Destiny 1, but they're kind of a they're kind of a lesser thing. You only find them really on one planet for the most part, and they're, they're not a real big part of the story in Destiny 1. They're just kind of there, and you don't really know why. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happens is you find out that this guy, this Gaul, he's grown up believing that he was destined for greatness. <laughs> and he believes that they should have gotten the Traveler. And what he does is he comes to Earth and takes the Traveler. He actually hooks a big old ship up to it and pulls that thing out of there. I'm taking this. Yeah, because he believes that he is destined for that. So he's kind of an interesting enemy. He's he's not necessarily – he doesn't even really care about humanity or really defeating us. He just wants the Traveler, mm-hmm. and you just happen to be in his way is kind of more what this is. <laughs> so – that's really interesting because that's it's the first time we've really seen the cabal as a really uh, upfront in our face threat. Yeah. And we're getting to see the full might of the cabal. Um, as far as, uh, you were asking about the patrol side. Yeah. Yeah. So that's your main campaign. Oh, that is from the main I, campaign. That okay. is the main campaign. From what I understand on the patrol side, you're going to be getting uh, missions from, from other uh, NPCs that are going to be, attached to the game but aren't about that main campaign they, they probably won't necessarily have as much to do with the main campaign i think that's going to be kind of its own separate animal and it is going to be more about fleshing out the world continuing to cultivate the the the, the list the history and the lore of destiny as we know it and teaching you more about these people because these are people who lived outside the city mm-hmm. which the outside the city is a rough place it's not a place you want to be there's a reason most of humanity lives right underneath the watchful eye of the tower and that's because the rest of the earth is scary and uh, the likelihood that you could get killed prematurely is pretty decent. So it, it's going to be interesting getting to know these characters and kind of what they're, why they're out there and, and what they're doing and why we're out there now. And because uh, the tower got destroyed, that's why we're out there. But um, I imagine that from what I've heard from interviews, like I said, it's going to be more of a, just fleshing things out per se than necessarily being directly tied to just that main campaign. Yeah. Now, were, were there um, any announcements during the event that gave you cause for concern or, or you know, any kind of uh, drawbacks that, that you noticed? Or was it just all like, yes, yes, and I'll take that too? Uh, I, I would say so far the only things that have jumped out at me that are even remotely negative, which I touched on before, is the, the fact that they're going to get rid of the Grimoire so those cards that we were talking about are no yeah. longer going to exist. Mm-hmm. So I am wondering how they're going to continue to have a story that's as nuanced as what we have in Destiny 1 if you go to the Grimoire without it. Because there's just something about the written word. And it, I write for a, a gaming website on occasion. Uh, I write for my own benefit. My hope is someday to write a book. There's Perhaps something about memoirs. the written word. What's that? Perhaps writing your memoirs? Eh, maybe. I don't know. My memoirs are kind of depressing, but oh. we don't need to go there today. So uh, <laughs> there's something about the written word because it allows you to view things from perspectives that you can't normally. When you're in a first-person perspective, you're locked into first person. 
books allows you to go to the third person and to see things that you wouldn't ordinarily be able to see other points of view, a, a number of different things. And, and the grimoire did a lot of that. So I'll be curious to see if they're able to have that kind of breadth within the game, if they completely get rid of that storytelling aspect using the written word. So that was one thing that kind of, they didn't necessarily, they actually didn't say that at the reveal. It came out shortly thereafter in an interview mm-hmm. with Luke Smith. Um, or no, not with Luke Smith. It was with uh, Steve Cotton, I think. And that that concerns me a little bit. I'm, am I still going to get the game? Yeah. Am yeah. I still going to have a great time? Of course. Yeah. But it would be kind of sad, one, because there are a lot of people that have invested a lot of time and energy into being these lore masters and to keeping up on that stuff. And also because it's some really good stuff, you know, it's just it's really interesting and, and, and fun to read. So that was one thing. The only other thing that really bothers me, and this is just across the board in gaming in general, I hate exclusives. Uh, I think that they ruin video games. I think that they're a detriment to gamers that mm-hmm. all they do is benefit the the publishers. Uh, especially in a game like Destiny, where there's a lot of crossover, you know, it's going to the PC now. It's not just going to be a console game. It's moving to the PC market. And so you've got Xbox and you've got PlayStation and now you've got the PC. And, and as far as we know right now, PlayStation is the only one that's going to get these exclusives. I don't mind if an exclusive is only there for a month. I can live with that. Okay. They've got access to these maps and, and this weapon for a month. Yeah. But that's not what's happened with Destiny. Their exclusives have been year to a year plus. Like I said, the way that the language was written in Destiny 1, there's a couple, there's a strike and at least one weapon, actually I think two weapons right now, two exotic weapons that you can't get on Xbox. Mm-hmm. And they won't be available to us till Destiny 2 comes out when it won't matter. Because hmm. none of that stuff's going forward. So the fact that they're continuing to uh, to foster that relationship and to push that exclusive deal thing, it, I just don't think it's really good for, for gamers in general. Um, we all pay the same amount for this game. I'm sorry, I'm on my soapbox here. And yet some <laughs> of us are getting an inferior product if you're someone who's only going to buy the Xbox version. This has come from a guy who has all three systems. I've got a great PC that can run it. I've got a Xbox and I got a PS4. Yeah. You know, So this isn't just, oh, I'm just a poor Xbox guy. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for, for anybody that's stuck in that situation because not everybody can afford to buy multiple systems. And is it a big deal? Is it going to kill your experience with Destiny not having that stuff? Not at all. I, I Like I said, I mained on Xbox even though I could have mained on PlayStation. Yeah. And um, I've had a great time. But is it a little bit of a bittersweet you know, flavor in the mouth? Yeah, yeah it is. So, but again, are those deal breakers? No. So pretty much I'm watching this stream and I'm just mouth on the floor like, yes, 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 more of that. Yes, <laughs> yes. Hold on a second. Got to pause. Got to take my pants off and change them. They're all wet. Come back. Okay. Put plastic back down on the chair so I don't have an accident again. Where are the two you know, and, and, uh, and away we go. I mean, it was beautiful to look at. The, the, the little bit of story we saw was just unbelievable i mean just a little piece of that mission and from what we've heard that's only part of that mission that they showed that little piece was better than any mission you ever were sent on in destiny one and there's some destiny one missions that i that i love yeah so yeah no i was all in Mm -hmm. one of the things that i'm hoping will happen i don't know i it's probably not going to happen with destiny 2 but there is a budding kind of grassroots movement to try and get um, more games to be cross-platform friendly. And, and what I mean by that is just um, 
being able to, to purchase a game regardless of the platform, like say for like if it's for PS4 or Xbox, and then be able to get onto the same servers and be able to play the game together. So that way the gamer ultimately wins. And there, there have been a couple of games that have supported that. Um, there's that one game, I think it's called like Rocket League or something like that. Is it Rocket League? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Rocket League. It's yeah. a fun game to play. It's like one of those like almost like casual console style games, but the developers intentionally designed it so that it didn't matter if you were on a PS4 or, or Xbox, you could actually get together with your friends and play and have a good time because that's what this is, whole thing is all about is just like getting together with your friends and having a good time. And um, I really do hope that moving forward that there will be more of that to come through with like these triple a titles i really hope to see uh you know perhaps not with destiny 2 but if they make uh, a destiny 3 for instance um it would just it, it's a win for everybody and, and i think that it, it's kind of on the on the coattails of what you were talking about with how the exclusives it's, it's just kind of a, a bummer for the gamer who doesn't have the system that has a certain exclusive or whatever and, and for the publishers it's a win for them but for the gaming community, it's kind of like, wow, you guys did that to us again. Really? Okay. Well, that's, that sucks. Yeah. And that is kind of the sentiment too. And yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I, I think that we're moving towards a time where we're going to see cross platform. Um, I know that the that Spencer, the head of Xbox, he's talked about that mm-hmm. at different times. And, uh, so is the head of Sony. So I think that eventually we may find ourselves there, but in the meantime, we're kind of left with this mess where these sorts of things happen. And like you said, the only person that loses out is really the gamer. Yeah. And, and that, that's unfortunate, you know, it is. And I think that there are a lot of uh, proponents for that idea that work in the gaming industry, but I think it's just a matter of trying to convince some key personnel to be able to, you know, open that gate, so to speak. And, and, make that sort of thing happen. Cause I, I, I will not lose hope on that. I really do think that there will eventually be that, that type of scenario. And it's just going to be fantastic because at that point it's just, it's all about just, you know, generating those memorable moments, playing a game with your friends and just having a good time. And, you know, you can, you can choose which system you want to play on and you say, yeah, sure. Each system will have their first party exclusive titles. That's to be expected. But the meat and potatoes of the games that come out, especially the ones like destiny uh, or halo or, or other games like that uh, would just be, or, you know, like an MMO, for instance, I think that that would just be just a fantastic time to be a gamer. So, yeah, I would completely agree with that. Yeah. I would echo all of your sentiments there. And I think that we may eventually find ourselves there. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah. Well, very cool. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us. You know, all things Destiny. I know that uh, Steve and I were, were in the dark, and I, I for one, I for one, I don't know about you, looking at my bald and beautiful brother sitting next to me here. I, I feel like two. <laughs> <laughs> I feel as though I have a much better, like, kind of peripheral grasp on all things destiny. I think if I were to play the game, I obviously would just be able to kind of bring the, those, those details to fruition, so to speak. But I just really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to talk to us about it. And, and we would love to be able to have you come back from time to time. If you're interested slash available uh, to be able to give us some, uh, some additional insight into the world that is destiny. If that is cool with you. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot to talk about. I mean, there's a lot that we didn't even get to. I mean, there's so much that they revealed in that 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 event that they had that we we could probably sit here for another hour talking about this. But yeah, I would be happy to come back on as time allows. Uh, and it's been a real pleasure to chit chat with you guys. Oh, the pleasure's all on this side of the microphone, Mr. Moose. Well, judging from the name, I'd say this podcast is all about a certain type of pleasure. Leave <laughs> it at that. Did you have one or two, maybe three during the time? I hope so. Yeah, well, I, I put on my rubber pants, so, oh. you know, I'm good. <laughs> I can just blow my load right here. Good. No problem. <laughs> so happy. Just keep on talking. Awesome. Well, I'm plugging my ears. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I go too far? I thought we were in the tree of trust. Never. My bad. No, 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 no. That, you are still in the tree. <laughs> oh, goody. Just have fun with those branches. <laughs> oh, I'm swinging. Just swinging like Tarzan, just beating my chest. Well, on that note, this wraps up episode eight. I definitely appreciate having Nick on the show with us talking about all things destiny. I'm sure Steve has uh, quite a bit to think about, as do I. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts about what you've heard? You know I do, Russ. Oh! i um uh, been a little, little quiet that whole uh, <clears throat> interview. I was going to say, yeah, you first you started the show out being all kinds of ornery, saucy, mm-hmm. and downright sassy toward your brother, and all of a sudden you just, uh, you know, quieter than a mouse. I'm a very contemplative individual at times. Oh, are you now? I am. Um, no, it's, uh, it's good to hear someone like Nick, uh, explain what is, uh, making destiny so popular because I've spoken to friends of mine and you know, even gone online and, and asked questions and you have friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. Um, and the most, the most answers I get are all oh, destiny is life. I'm like, why? Because it's awesome. Okay. Why? Because it's cool. And like, okay, you got to give me something else. And that's that, people repeat that. They do. Oh, I mean, okay. Why? Yeah. Why? Why? Why is why such a hard question to answer about the game? Right. And I, I've seen the game played. I've never played the game myself, like I've like we've said, but I've seen the game played, and I think okay, there's so many reminiscent stuff to, to Halo. Why would I want to try a Me Too Halo? So what about it? goes beyond the me too halo mm-hmm. and uh you know after destiny was has been out for a while most of the people who i've spoken to have finally formulated what they like about the game and it all revolves around the social aspect of the game hmm. not necessarily like the graphics even though people do like the graphics or the sound even though people like the sound um it's more so the social aspect. Yeah, very and, much so. And it's almost more on PS4 than it is on Xbox, even though it is for both. But mm-hmm. more people are saying, yeah, on PS4, they've met a lot of people that they continue to game with. And, and some of them have never seen these folks face to face. Some of them have. Matter of fact, a friend of mine, uh, she was gaming. She was gaming a female. <laughs> Female gamers rock. What is and this yeah. female you speak of? <laughs> Females playing games? Heresy, I say. Um, she met, or she she also belonged to like a, a clan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she's like, okay, I have to go connect with my clan. Like we text and whatnot. And, yeah. and it's a, a bunch of girls and guys. But yeah. one of them, I was from Canada and they had a small little fling. 
Like, she's like, this guy is awesome, but I don't want to leave my country. But she hooked up with the guy? Yeah, she flew out to see him. Like, they connected. Oh, how about that? And, um... And so she's like, you know, no, no hard feelings. I just, you know, we wouldn't want to work out. He loves Canada. I love America. Yeah. And, you know, we're not going to leave. But he was definitely a cool individual. We still talk. So things like this happen a lot with with Destiny. Um, that is a peculiar trait of the game where, like, the, the type of people who have gotten into it and really enjoy it have all said the same thing. Like, they, they right. just, the, it's all about the community, community, community. And, and thinking back, there was, I remember when you were playing Halo online, I think it was Halo 2, because that's when online thing happened, but mm-hmm. you started making friends and people were like, you know, wanting to play with you. And then you would link up with me mm-hmm. online and say, oh yeah, I, you know, I met this guy, you know, he's good. You know, we, we, yeah. we play well as a team and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm new to this whole online world. Uh, but that happened with Halo. But you think of maybe Overwatch and Overwatch. I wasn't going to do it because I know you were. <laughs> and I've linked up with people on Overwatch. You do but realize if we say that together that it'll be stereo. Yes. But just, I do realize I just want to go ahead, finish my thought. Go ahead. Could you just do it? Uh, I have I've, I've linked up with people with Overwatch. Oh. But a lot of times. You whipped it out again. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But a lot of times I'll see them online or they'll see me online. Uh-huh. And then often we don't link up to play like you know we might every once in a great while yeah but um nothing nothing remotely near how i i was thinking it was going to be yeah so that's something that's very unique to only destiny and i and i and thinking back when the game was out and i was researching it and, and seeing what was what uh i knew they had to iron out some of the wrinkles. Cause I know money was a thing mm-hmm. and you know, what did you get versus what did you have to do um, for what, what, what you purchased? Yeah. And some folks are like, I'm spending all this money and I'm not getting it. So, but I'm, I'm glad that Bungie stuck with it and said, okay, we're listening to you. We know we got your money, but we're going to give you definitely stuff to work with. And we're going to give you a unique experience and a unique game. Mm-hmm. And uh, those who stuck with it um, seems like they have been greatly rewarded. Yeah. So. Food for thought. And then for, for me, like the destiny two is what, like I, what we were talking about with Nick, um, looking, looking at the key art, looking at some of the, the other assets. And then of course the little tidbits of the teaser videos and e- even the, the pre-rendered stuff. I just feel as though I'm, I'm ready to give it a shot and, and see what all the fuss is about. Yeah. And so the game should be pretty cheap by now too. Well, and see, my thing is like, I don't want to do start with destiny one. I want to start fresh with destiny two because the story is brand new. It's not a continuation right, right. from the first one. You could do that. Yeah. Maybe even you could do that too. Maybe I could. Uh, I like the sound of that. I have to look forward to that, that, uh, E trace. Anyway, I think this about wraps up episode eight. We realize that this is uh, a bit longer than our typical episodes. So if you stuck it out this long, Hey, thanks a lot. Hope you <laughs> had fun yeah. listening. <laughs> Maybe you're on a road trip. I don't know. Maybe you fell asleep in the chair with our lovely voices just lulling you to sleep. Anyway, if you would like to contact us uh, with any comments, questions, c- constructive criticisms, that sort of thing, you can reach us on Twitter at Joygasm TV. We invite you also to follow us on Facebook at Joygasm TV. 
we've been uh, making a point to plop a lot of what we talk about up there. So if you want to check out any of the game trailers that we played for you on the show, or you want to look at some other kind of fun, zany gamer movie, geeky kind of stuff, we certainly invite you to, to come join us for that. We are on SoundCloud as well at soundcloud.com slash TV. So other than that, I will bid you adieu and see you next time. I will bid you adieu too, Russ. Oh. And audience. <laughs> Au revoir.